Lightning. Whole man. Please do not exceed your maximum suckage allowance during this episode. Damn. That's how we got to start this show? Who let her on the show? Oh, I don't I just uh, the door was open and Alice just walked in. Well, gave us a warning. Not to exceed the maximum suckage allowance for this episode. Out. Get out, Alice! All right, well, then it's up to you to uh, start the show with some story that you claim you have that uh, you forgot about. So, you know, you guys don't know this, but we always talk before the show and say, all right, well, how are we going to get into the show? And Lightning says, well, do you have anything to start the show? And I said, well, something, but I, I'll save it for later. And he goes, oh, I got something. And literally about 187 <laughs> seconds later, he goes, what are we going to start the show with? <laughs> so I'm cruising down the street. As you know, uh, I hate... The peeps that don't uh, turn on their their headlights. I'm cruising down the street uh, last night, and there's a minivan. It's like a Honda Odyssey minivan. And I look in, and and, and I roll down the window, and there's an old lady behind the wheel, gray hair, like old, but she's got that really short hair. What if she was just one of those people that grayed early? I mean, she just looked old. She had the big, like, giant glasses, the old lady glasses, you was know, that are like- a chain on them? Uh, I couldn't see a chain. It was okay. kind of dark. It was just, I could see- You mean she her... wasn't illuminated by her dashboard? Uh, well, there was enough. I could see the gray hair okay. and the glasses. So it was it was an old lady. And I'm like, your lights, your lights aren't on. She looks, she's kind of confused because she, it took her a minute to roll down the window yeah. to make sure I wasn't some stalker, right? She rolls it down. She looks would, at me and she looks. I wouldn't roll down the window for she, you. She flicks on the light. She looks back at me and she gives me the peace sign. She goes, right on, bro. <laughs> bro. That's, that's, she was like 90, called me bro. That's not what happened when I yelled at somebody for their headlights the other day. Oh, what happened? Well, I flashed a guy and pull up next to him at the light and he's giving me, mad dogging me. I'm like, roll down your window. And he's like, what do you want? I'm all, just for you to turn your lights on. He's like, what? Go, your headlights. And he goes, oh, sorry, bro. Thanks. Oh, he said bro as well? Yeah. Yeah, he said bro as well. What's up with that? But coming out of like an 80-year-old woman's mouth, bro, it just cracked me up. She's like, right on, bro. Well, I was coming back from the <laughs> desert, like, too. What, what old ladies is bro? I'm in the middle of the desert, and it's uh, two lane passing out there on uh, 395. And uh, I have clear view of the traffic coming. And some dude goes to whip around me in an Audi, so I blocked him so he couldn't go around me because oh. a, a big rig was coming. Okay. And so he's on my rear end, and he's all mad and everything. And I'm like, no, dude. I'm like pointing ahead. Just that big rig goes by. And then he backs off my tail. And I'm like, yeah, I have you. All right, pal? So don't always get mad if somebody uh, blocks you. They might just be saving your stupid life that now, doesn't deserve to be now saved. You, you went out with, thanks for the invite. You went out on President's Day yep. um, and you went to the desert, yep. uh, as you do so often. Yep. I saw you brought uh, your daughter. Uh huh. And did you bring your the wife as well? Yep, I did. You, you, Denise came out? Yep. What? Mm-hmm. Did she know where you were going? Yes. You didn't trick her. I did not trick her. This is the one trip a year she goes on. It's about. Uh, 75% through the day, she's like, well, how much more of this is left? Did you go camping? No. Oh, okay. So it was just a day trip. Just a day trip. All right. I, you, I can see her. You her. just you just asked if my wife went. Camping is not in her vocabulary. <laughs> that, that should have told you. That's what struck me as odd. That should have told you everything that you needed to know about I thought I saw a photo of her, and I go, hmm, there's no way she went camping out there. No, that was my girlfriend. They just look a they lot look very alike. similar? They're very similar. Twin sister? Yep. That's going to piss her off. Yep. I'm going to get shipped. <laughs> this, uh, this start to the show might piss her off. I'm going to get shipped here, actually. 
episode number 215 of the Truck Show Podcast, the fastest growing truck enthusiast podcast on the internet. That's what uh, I say. Okay, that's what you say. I'm going right. to roll with that. Uh, hey, speaking of desert, uh, that's a nice lead in into our, uh, our guest for this evening is our uh, friend, Desert Explorer, Billy Creech. So uh, you guys always seem to love when he's on. You love his stories. We get a ton of emails and DMs about it. So uh, he wanted to come on and talk about a couple things. Plus, let people know, like, what do you need to just start? Like, I think, you know, we talk about the desert or off-roading or exploring. You know, in the desert, obviously, it could be the mountains or the forest or snow or whatever. But I think we always assume everybody knows, like, the bare minimum of what you need to go Ooh, be successful. We should not assume that. And we should not assume no. that. So I think on this one, we're going to talk a little bit about what you need to have to have a uh, successful trip. Or just not die. That would be a successful trip. Lady. Okay, yeah, I got you. All right. Then Holman printed out like six reams of paper here because there's so much freaking truck news, which we cannot wait to get to. Uh, there's some good stuff coming up, I got to say. Always some good stuff in the truck market. We'll get to your email, but not before we thank Nissan for supporting this show for decades. Decades? Maybe <laughs> it's longer than they've been with us, but uh, it's quite uh, quite a long time. Uh, it feels like that. Every, I mean, 215 episodes might as well be a thousand. Yeah. If they're not one. You didn't even have gray hair when we started this show, did you? No, no. I, it's <laughs> progressively gotten worse as I have uh, mm-hmm. sat in this little closet with you. Did with your the, ear uh, hair grow really fast when you started this show, or does it just do it now? No, no, no. There's there was no ear hair then. There is lots now. Gotcha. I think it's because the uh, the the uh, earmuffs that we wear to hear the show. Uh huh. You know our headphones. They create a, 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 it's like a, one of those. Like a vacuum that no, pulls it out of no, your head? it's like a mushroom. It's like a really dark, dank environment <laughs> where uh, they just grow fast. gross. Cult- yes. Cultivate uh, fungus in your hair. I want to find out if you can, can you. Can you, you laser it? No, no, no. Well, that's, ooh, you that's should. You but should. what I always worry about is does the laser shoot into your fine hairs in your eardrum, then you can't hear anymore. That would be bad. Right. I wonder, because your ear hair... Hey, what do you guys do about your ear hair? <laughs> Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Your ear hair grows... It's only an old man thing. Your ear hair grows so fast that I bet if you stared in the mirror long enough, you could see it, Dude, you could you see just, it grow. You just wax that stuff right on off. You don't wax your ears? Yes, you do. Wax your ears? Yeah, heck yeah, you do. You do? Yeah. No, you don't. Yes, you do. You wax your you ears? You take those little like sticky nad strips and you go... And you go... And then you have no ear hair for like two weeks. And then just grows right back. No kidding. That's I just have do. one of those little trimmers. No, like, because bzzz. then you have like a buzz cut on your ear. I don't. I don't think I have that. A hundred percent, you do. It's no different than if you shaved your head. You still have little hairs but there. But they're blonde. They're gray. No, on my head, they're blonde. They're not blonde. My little ear whatever hairs are blonde. Whatever your mom has been telling you for 50 years, is she's no, been lying I have to the, you. No, I have that little parabolic mirror uh-huh. that my wife uh-huh. puts her makeup on Why are we doing this? Can we get into the show? <laughs> All right. Uh, enough about Lightning's ear hair issues. Uh, listen. <laughs> sorry, uh, guys. Sorry, you, sorry. If you have an issue uh, because you don't have a reliable truck, you need to go over to NissanUSA.com or down to your local Nissan dealer where you can build and price a Nissan Titan, a Nissan Titan XD with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Or, of course, if you want the mid-sized frontier, you can check that out, too. Best-in-class horsepower, 310 horses from that 3.8-liter dual overhead cam V6. And for all of you that are looking for a gauge that does it all, you have limited dash space, or you don't have enough holes in your pillar pod, and you need one gauge that has multiple ways to read data, you want to check out the Banks Power iDash. 52 millimeters, it'll fit in any standard gauge hole. That would be uh, two and a sixteenth. For those of you on the SAE side of the scoreboard, that means that that gauge will fit in just about 
any factory hole going up to like, I don't know, 1940s. So you're hogging up your entire A-pillar with three gauges. Let's say you have Boost and, uh, I don't know, EGT and TransTemp. You have three gauges on your A-pillar. What about eight gauges in that simple little 52-millimeter eye dash? So what you're saying is if I have a uh, diff temp mm-hmm. and TransTemp mm-hmm. and Boost, mm-hmm. and oh, that's it because my pillar pod only has three holes. No, or, you can keep going. You can have diff. You can have regen. You can have sit load percentage. You can have horsepower. In one gauge that does it all. Yes, you can. All right, head over to bankspower.com where you can check out the iDash. And by the way, the iDash comes in two flavors. One has a data logger. So those of you with uh, OBD2 connections, so you can see what in the heck your vehicle is doing that your factory gauges aren't telling you. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show whoa, whoa. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman that's me and that's him all right before we get started uh just uh Fading into the desert portion of the uh, show. So I took the TRX out, broke 10,000 miles on it, and uh, this was the perfect desert trail. It was about 52 miles of off-roading. Uh, it's actually the one that we took the ZR2 on back in the day, the Grass Valley Wilderness Trail. Oh, so did we uh, – that was the one where we went to the monument of yeah. the uh, – the, the, the Husky Monument. The Husky Monument but where all, the, but the also, dead off-road riders are hanging out at. Sure. <laughs> Or, or at least parts of their things they loved. Right. Uh, and they also have the F-22 uh, Raptor Memorial out there where the F-22 crashed. Now, and that, that wasn't there last time. You and I did not see that. We did not see that. So now somebody had built up a memorial with a brass plaque and some laser-cut aluminum. You, you would dig it. So we stopped by that. And uh, just the whole time, my wife, she's like, I scared her many times. By the end of the day, Abby was in the backseat clapping, going, jump the truck again, Dad! Oh, you, you took Abby as well. Dude, we were like hitting- How old is Abby now? Four. Four, okay. So you'd see like a, a whoop come up, and I would just gun it, and we'd just fly over, off a of limb. We'd maybe get like, you know, five, six inches off the ground. Okay. But you could feel the suspension drop out and then you're, land like a weightless for a few seconds. Oh, she was loving it in the backseat. She thought it was, she told everybody today at school and her gym class- I went to the desert yesterday. <laughs> and then for those of you with girls uh, and you take them camping, you always have that when they're young. It's like, all right, you got to pee outside, right? So, uh, you know, that's part of the thing. And usually they're shy the first time and they're like, I, you know, what do I do? And you're like, you just, you know, if you're a boy, you just hang wing. If you're a girl, you, just find a bush. Yeah. And, yeah. Go be so private. We got, we got Abby to uh, go to the bathroom out in the desert. She goes, mommy, I made mud, which is hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a parent thing, right? You laugh about it. But she's. She loved it. She was playing with the rocks and the dirt, and she wanted to help you know, air up the tires, and she she was all over it. So, But I just couldn't believe, like, we were hitting stuff in the TRX you just shouldn't be able to do. Are you going to be sad to let it go? Because it's a yeah. long-term loaner from Ram. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But uh, it'll be cool what's replacing it. And, so. and, and, let, and you're not, you haven't told me what's replacing it? Yeah, I thought it was- it's Raptor. Oh, a Raptor. Yeah. It was one of those – there's a few times in my life where I was in automotive zen – where you like everything was just perfect, and this was one of them. And how was Denise going through the whips and stuff like that? Because uh, oh, I scared her, and then she just kept looking. She's like, I can't even believe that the truck we take to church on Sunday is doing this right now. Like I said, well, now you understand the TRX and its element. And I mean, we were mobbing. There was stuff we were hitting sideways. Like there's one I hit 
around a corner, power slide, stabbed it, and went over the whoops at an angle. Oh, my God. You know, and it just goes, <laughs> and she's like, you know, and she's making noises. I'm like, what well, because she's getting stuck by the, the, uh, the seatbelt, right? What are you right? doing Because the seatbelt's locked up. And then you'd, right? like, you'd pucker, right? Because even there's a few times, like a few G outs, where it's like, oh, you know, where even I was like, oh, this is going to suck. Just stab it and roll through it. Didn't even feel it. There was zero, zero, less than zero transmitted into the cabin. It was like, Ooh, and you're like, oh, and it goes, Ooh. I mean, there wasn't even, there was nothing. It was, how the, much wheel travel is on the uh, TRX? 12 in the front, 13 in the rear, something like okay, that. Okay, okay. Same as the 37 Raptor. The uh, 35 Raptor, I believe, is 13, 14. Okay. So, but, well, and, and it's, it's not all travel, travel. It's how well does it use that travel? Well, and those Bilsteins are just freaking amazing. Like, d- just, there wasn't, you know, you throw it in Baja mode and it turns off the nannies and traction control and. You just drive it, and nothing's fighting you. And did the you ever wish that you had had just two wheel drive? No, not once. Okay, no, it's awesome. It's there's so much power. You, it's undrivable in two wheel drive. That much, I, literally undrivable. With all that power, you just stab it, and there, it's just this ungodly gloriousness wow. of the blower in the yeah. front, the the exhaust out. Like everybody behind me was like, "Could you do that again?" You know, because they're <laughs> behind me listening to that and. There were times that we got ahead of everybody, right? Well, I, who'd you go with? I went with my buddy Lawson with Land Cruiser and then one of his buddies. So, you know, we were significantly faster than a- I'm going to get know. a truck at some point and you're not going to invite me, even even with a truck, you're not going to invite me anywhere. Sure. sure that, that sucks. If, sure, that's, that could be possible. <laughs> but there's a part where we got probably, we drove for, let's say it's five minutes and everybody's gone. So I'm like at the top of this hill. We waited for eight minutes or nine minutes for them to catch up. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, it was one of those uh, trips where I was just reminded how freaking badass that truck was. Will you ever take it off-road since you got a black one? Because mine's all scratched up now. Uh, I absolutely will. I, I do have a question about its width because- It's you, very wide. That's what she said. Were there any situations where y- the trail was too narrow? Because I think it was the uh, Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail that East you said- Mojave Heritage Trail, yes. Yes. The you, uh, only a Jeep could do, no. or or narrow vehicle, like the Raptor no. and the uh, and the TRX are just too wide, and you no. just destroy your paint trying to get through yes. it. Yes. You won't do body damage, but you'll destroy your paint. Yeah. You have to divorce yourself from the paint if you're going to go play in the desert. I, I don't, you know, I- The I, only I, place that the TRX was ever too wide, and it still made it, but I'm not kidding you, like with an eighth of an inch, literally hard to put a sheet of paper between the rock wall- was on Black Bear Pass when it was our chase vehicle for the Rivian trip. Ooh. And the guy who drove it was a former Ram engineer who now works for Rivian, and he was on the TRX program. So we're like, TRX is yours. And Did he have to we, fold the mirrors in? Everything. But the the rear fender you know, blisters were mm-hmm. literally in a, there's barely daylight between the wall. That's how close he had to be. And the other side was a 4,000 foot drop. So, <laughs> you know, that was the only Whoa. place that, that I ever saw the TRX 2Y. Now- too wide physically can't fit is different than too wide. I like my paint. Those are two different things. Right. Yeah. I I mean, look, it's my money. It's my paint. Like, I don't want to spend eight grand to repaint the truck. Well, and I know there's just, just get the sides wrapped or throw something, some temporary well, wrap on it when you go off road. So that, that's interesting because I wanted to talk about that and ask our listeners their opinion. Wrap it or ceramic pro it? Ceramic but, coated. But, no, I know they're totally different. No, they're no, totally but different. ceramic does. That's not going to. I I know that doesn't. That makes your your paint nice, but it doesn't stop scratches. Again, so if you right, if I if I if I ceramic coat it, that'll be great for bird droppings and yep. uh, you know sitting a tree sap and all that stuff, which I do need because as you know where I park, yep. I get leaves and I get bird crap on whatever I park out there all the time. 
um, or the neighbor's tree. It's this weird sappy stuff we've talked about before. Yeah. So that I have to have a covering on it no matter what. If I wrap it, I'm it's a pain in the ass because you have to rewrap it every five, three, three years. Yeah, well, three. If it's you every have, three years. You have five grand every three years to spend. And and I and I won't. So I, I want to do that because then I'm you can go through that brush. Or you do brush. what I do and you put that Elmer's glue stuff on it from uh, Roan Armor Plus that you get off Amazon <laughs> and you just, it I, works? I, I still don't trust it. It works. I Dude, still don't trust it. I've shown you my video where I had it on the side of the Jeep. Yeah, but I think you're blind. <laughs> okay. I really want to just do ceramic and not wrap it, but then I will be limited as to where I can go if I don't want, you know, desert pinstriping. Or you just get desert pinstriping because that's Cause what a truck cool should have. I, uh, I don't know, but uh, you know me. It's, I like shiny. Yeah, so do I. That's why I have a GPW for uh, that I'm working <laughs> right. on. Okay. Well, if I if I do get ceramic coating... I'd like your opinion on who should I go to. Should I go to Ceramic Pro? They're kind of like the old dogs in the biz. They've been doing it forever. You hit up our friends over at uh, Chemical Guys. But they don't have an actual ceramic product. They have ceramic coatings that are just as part of your wash and your aftercare. But they don't have, um, to my knowledge, they don't have a, a ceramic application like Ceramic Pro does or some of the other manufacturers. I think it's all snake oil. Do you really? Mm-hmm. You think actual ceramic coating... Is snake oil? I think that, I think that to the average person that you don't need it. I have seen it in person, and I've washed a car with it on, and you don't need deionized water. It just beads off. Yeah, for how long? Bird turds don't stain the paint because they can't get through it. How long? I don't know. A few hundred washes, I would assume. I think I would. I would question that. I have yet for somebody to prove to me that. That it isn't shouldn't be in the category of undercoating. I think that a ceramic product that you spray on that lasts a couple washes. I think that's I've seen that work before. A fully ceramic coated car, at least for what I do, doesn't make sense financially. I think you're spending a lot of money and then. But if still, if you knew that you had to park in front of a uh, under a tree that it was going to drop, sap, I would have really good you know, wax and uh, and a spray. You do a spray ceramic product. The jury's out for me personally if that whole process lasts any period of time. Please weigh in, guys. This is a, a big one for me and a, and a lot of people because I have my buddy Bob. He has a um, that uh, Garnet Red uh, a Duramax. It's beautiful truck, and he was having issues where he parks at work, and for the same thing, he was getting some kind of droppings on it, and he ceramic coated. Problem went away. How long will it last? I I don't I don't. I mean, know. you're spending thousands of dollars. It better last five to seven years. That's a lot of investment. Or you could just wax your car regularly. I, I'd be curious. Maybe we should get the chemical guys back on the on the we'd, show. We'd and, love to talk to them and ask them uh, how long it lasts. The, just the spray on it can't last that long. It doesn't have the adhesives. It doesn't have the same. Do you know that for sure? You this is lightning pontificating. No. You're, you're making up facts okay. again. Okay, I'll stop here because you don't know. Uh, no, I, you're I not an know. expert in that field. Neither am I. It's like Kevin Bacon. You're seven people removed from anybody in the automotive industry, and you have, had conversations. You have osmosis that has occurred, Listen, and you think you're an expert. I've had you conversations. are not. You are not an expert in that space. I didn't say I was an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm in that asking space. audience what if I was. An expert. I'm saying we should have on somebody who is an expert. That's what I'm saying. Fine. You're just you're saying well, it doesn't have. How do you know? We haven't talked to them. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm in. And listen, you are talking about going out to the desert in your shiny truck. Who cares what it looks like? What you need to do is figure out the stuff you need to get you out of a jam. So for that, 
we should probably give our friend Billy Creech a call. Okay. Then dial. He's on your phone. Hey, Sean. Hey, Jay. Oh, there <laughs> he, he is. He remembered. He knew it was both of us. Uh, Lightning at Home Truck Show Podcast. Hey, new Billy. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? We are fantastic. Hey, we have a new intro oh, for you. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. What? What? what, what? Can, can you remind me uh, who, who Billy uh, Creech is? Billy Creech guy is Billy Creech is a. No, no, no. Just play the intro. Oh, uh, sure, I can do that. Billy Creech, desert explorer. Hey ho, teach us what you know. Go ahead, Billy. We're waiting. All right. Billy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Billy Creech oh. does its explorer. I can't do it. <laughs> Tell us something. We had to wow. pay that announcer guy a lot of bread. Yeah, he drank a lot of Dr. Pepper before he did that. <laughs> a lot of helium. <laughs> How you feeling about that, Billy? Billy Creech. Desert Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much talking we're going to do because now I'm just laughing. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Billy, you've been on the show 36 times. No, that's not true. I think so. Three or something. Is it just this three is, or something? This is this four. Is four. four? This right. is four. Please climbing okay. the ranks. All right. All right. So, Billy and I were talking, and uh, he and I have been uh, uh, embroiled, if you will, in uh, all sorts of deserty things that will uh, come to light one day. Now, when you say and embroiled, that that implies that th- those are bad. Like, like you're like, oh, I was embroiled in a lawsuit. Yeah, and then we're right? turning it into good. Um, no, no, we we were we've been talking about uh, exploring the desert uh, for a bunch of things, uh, just in general. And what we realized in the in context of our conversations. Many people were interested in exploring the desert. We have a, a, a group on uh, Facebook called uh, the EMHT, um, and you can look that up for Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail. And a lot of the questions— Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, for those of you that don't speak Holman. And a lot of people were in there, and they're like, hey, I'm going uh, to put a granola bar in my back pocket, and then I'm going to do like 700 miles of this trip tomorrow. <laughs> and you're going, mm-hmm. So you're saying no. that's not proper preparation? Well, I think there's no. a thing called pacing that Billy uh-huh. might be able to yeah. uh, maybe I shed a light on. I don't need food. I don't need extra batteries for my flashlight. Half a tank of gas is fine. Dude, let, me, let me put it this way. There, there's somebody who is like, I think I can average 15 miles an hour. And it's like, not if you want to no. break your truck in half. Mm. You have no idea of how fast 15 miles an hour is when you're doing that kind of terrain. So is 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 the point of Billy's appearance on this particular episode of the Churchill Podcast about preparation? Or are we talking about our event that's coming up? No, 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 later, later, later. Oh, that's no, later. later. It's going to be about pacing, about what do you need to take into account when you're going to explore the backcountry, wherever you may be going, whatever trail. What is a realistic goal for you to set for mileage, and what do you need to do to hit that goal? So, Billy, we're waiting. Right. It's a question I get. Benny Creech, Desert so. Explorer. <laughs> okay, sorry, go so ahead. I'm just going to sit here and laugh. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> pacing, it, it's a thing that depends on who you talk to and, and who you are asking the question of because there's a lot of people. We're asking who, it of. Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get it. If I wasn't on a diet, I'd get a Snickers bar right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the uh, people, most of us, in fact, the, the overwhelming majority of us, we have jobs. And therefore, when we plan a trip, it, it's on a defined timeline, right? And some people who are trust fund kids, some people who are retired, some people who, right, they've done life 
really, really right. They've saved their money or they've hit it big somehow and they don't have to go to work on Monday. You know, or they're a professional who that's their job is to be out there. You know, for the overwhelming majority of people, they only have a certain number of days, so they can't do the whole, you know, Steinbeck thing of, you know, don't take the trip, let the trip take you, because you only have a certain amount of time to get that trip done and get back home. I remember when I was first getting started into multi-day backcountry stuff, when I was going to do the Mojave Road, the, the biggest question I had that nobody could answer for me was, okay, it's how long will it take? It should take you three days. Great. Everybody answered that question. But my next question was, how do I know where I should be at night, one, to know that I'm actually on the pace to finish this thing in three days? And then where should I be night two in order to finish this thing in three days? Nobody could answer that question. So for your your listeners who are planning on doing the Mojave Road, night one, you should be somewhere around Carruthers Canyon, hole in the wall, that type area. Uh, night two, you should be somewhere around, you know, around Aiken Mine Road or west of towards 17 Mile Point. So there you go. There's information that nobody could ever give me years and years and years ago. And yet there's a person that just gave it all to you. And that person is Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. Yes, he is. <laughs> now, OK, I'm gonna, these... that's going to end up being a tattoo, isn't it? <laughs> I've already done it. Yes, it's on my uh, on my buttock. Now, Billy, so is this because you have done it or is there a way to map it or does this same theory apply to other trails? Well, it applies because the reality is that when somebody's planning a trip, they they need to consider a lot of things. Right. So so first they need to do is is they need to really define what that trip is going to be. What do they want to do? Right. So where are they going? Um, is it going to be a scouting trip where you're really hammering through a lot of terrain to find a place you want to go back to? Is it just that you're out on an adventure where you're just going along, seeing whatever you see? Are you exploring where you're really looking for things that's going to slow it down? Are you on an expedition where you actually have a project and a, and a purpose for being out there that that's going to require you stopping and doing some research? Uh, do you want to do hikes? Right. It's it's all of these things that people need to define what kind of trip that they're on. Man, you're um, making it sound like a buzzkill. I, I, I don't <laughs> no, want to do. No, I don't want to do homework before I go on a trail. Not. I just want to yeah. go. I just well, want to get. And that's why. Well. That's why you're gonna die. Well, uh, and you can. Okay. Right? Some some trails are 15 miles long, and and that doesn't take a, a a lot of planning. Now, I will say this: there are some trails that are 22 miles long that will take you days to do. Rubicon. Yep. So you can't you can't just get enamored with the distance of a trail, which most people do. Most people sit there and they say, "Okay, if uh, I'm used to covering this much ground, this trail is this long. I'm going to be done in this amount of time." But it doesn't really work that way because you know, in addition to figuring out how many days you have, which was going to dictate sort of the length of trip and and what you can cover, uh, then you have clothes, water, food, right? right the basics. And then you have to, you know, take into consideration, you know, any me- uh, mechanical limitations. Do you have a twin right. tube shock on an overloaded vehicle? Do you have right. the right type of tires? Do you have enough suspension travel? Do you have, uh, you know, uh, uh, skid plates? I mean, I'm telling you that I don't have to worry right. about any of those things because I have. Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> 
Yeah, but but you're not in my rig, so <laughs> oh, maybe maybe I am. Maybe you just don't know it. Oh, I think he knows you it. Can. Does he? Right. Yeah, you smell it. Well, I'm not, I, I, I'm not I in his avalanche. You you're going to be in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that is the idea. Yes. Billy Creeps, Desert Explorer. But but Sean brought up some great points, right? You need to understand honestly your vehicle, your capability, you, its capability, the kit you have. Um, but then you also need to get really honest about your experience level. Do you know how to really drive off-road in, in multi, multiple, uh, multiple varied terrain, if I could say that in English? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how to read terrain, right? If you're in a, if you're in a desert environment, um, sand, for instance, Dark sand is going to be harder than light colored sand. Light colored sand is going to be softer and drier, and therefore it's going to be so- it's going to be more sloggy. It's going to slow you down. It's going to cause more heat in your vehicle, and potentially it's going to bury you. And you're going to have to do some digging. If you're on a lake bed, it's just the opposite. If it's dark colored, it's going to be wet, and you're going to sink. You want it to be light colored. That means it's hard packed. So you have to be able to read some terrain in order to move efficiently through it. And well, and, and let's face it, there's times where you might know the route because you bought all the guidebooks, you bought the maps, right. you did the satellite flyover, but you've never been out there. And as we right. all know, the desert is, is constantly changing, constantly in flux. And so that's where reading that terrain comes in because – there's all sorts of stuff in the micro ecosystem that you're going through or the micro right. environment of what just got washed out there. Or in, in the case yeah. of, you know, sections on the EMHT where you're along the uh, Tona, the uh, Tonopah and Tidewater or Tide, right. Tidewater and Tonopah uh, Railroad berm, and then it's completely washed out from storms over the years. And there's a 20-foot right. drop, and if you were to just kind of haul butt down this right. road and not realize it, you're just going right over the edge. Well, or, or even technology can work against you, right? So you did the EMHT segment for the Rock Garden. Um, that took you know, freaking if, forever. If you look at that, Billy looked back and said, "Go ahead, Billy. We're waiting." <laughs> Gee, Billy. Well, if, if you look at the satellite imagery of that area, it looks like a very clearly defined, easy path. Yeah, no, it's not. And I hate it. Is it. anything but that? I got lost. There's literally. It's lava, like, think of, like, fist-sized lava rocks to up to maybe, like, grapefruit size, something like that, scattered in this massive area, of square miles of so area. Does, did it feel like you were on the moon? Yeah, yes. it kind of has that moonscape. And then all the brush is really low, so you can see for a really long distance. But the problem is you lose track of the trail, like, ten times because right. because the, ro- the, the road goes over these rocks. Well, because the rocks are... Every couple inches from each other forever, you can't really make a two track through there. So it's hard to see where other vehicles have gone because they're driving on top of these fist sized rocks. And then in the middle of it all are a bunch of washes. So you may have to drive 10 feet down to go to cross a five foot wide ravine and then drive 10 feet back up. And it's these really narrow dropouts that all of a sudden appear. And, and there's times where you drive down the middle of it for 100 yards, and there's times where you cross right. it directly. And it I it was that was a very I was trying to make time at that point and that was probably one of the most frustrating things is I was out by myself and uh, my the guys who came out with me left early and I was looking at the map trying to figure out where the hell I was and I probably made about 
10 wrong turns trying to get out of there. Did you text? Right. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Did he respond? Actually, actually he did. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. He's like, where do I go from here? I'm like, where are you? <laughs> the, uh, you know, there's, there's so much to it. And, you know, I've been accused by many people of being able to go really fast. My truck is designed for it, number one, where I can make distance I, I do because I tend to do longer trips. But... Um, I am consciously trying to do what I espouse, which is getting fractal, right? Fractal exploration, which is breaking things into smaller chunks and then getting a lot more intimate with them and exploring them a lot more closely so that you learn more about the area that you're in. You know, even though you're covering a smaller area, it's a lot more rewarding when you find a petroglyph that you can't find any reference to that, that maybe you're the only person that's seen it in 500 years. When you look at how people tend to plan a trip to areas, especially areas that they're not familiar with, and I'm guilty of this as well, is you want to go, you know what, it's going to take me two or three days to get there. I want to see every possible thing that's in that area because I might not get back to it. So you end up logging miles versus an experience of really enjoying the area. So I would caution people to say that's a very easy uh, pattern to fall into. It's a very hard habit to break once you start it. Ask me how I know because I'm guilty of it. But once you do break it, or if you actually consciously avoid it to begin with, you will have much better exploration experiences because you're going to understand the area that you're in a lot better. Well, wait a minute. So, so, so Billy, hold on. If I'm going to anywhere, I, I'm going to the Black Hills, I'm going to Death Valley, and I can mm-hmm. see that I can do, I know that I've, I've spoken to people and they're like, oh yeah, I can do 30 miles in a day or whatever the number is. Should mm-hmm. I just cut it in half and say, I want to go slower. I want to soak it in. Well, I th- mean, that's what? the whole point of what are you saying is what kind of adventure or trip do you want to have? So you could probably realistically, now there's somebody who said they did the 733 miles of EMHT in like four or five days. No way. In a forerunner. No, no way. He cut corners. It's not. It's not possible. <clears throat> Helicopter carrying the forerunner. Yeah, I mean, it's just and and you know, he said, "Oh yeah, I've done it. I did it all." And, and it's like it took me two years and three trips to basically do the whole thing, and each trip was a week long. I was proving a route, and so I had a lot of foot rikis and and figuring things out because there were some areas that I was the first person that had been through there in a really long time. But I know the terrain and I know a lot of the areas, so I was flying where I could and I wasn't doing any hikes. I was proving a route. So I was not interested in, in exploring and looking at things because I was literally mapping this route. And I drove some days from 6 a.m. until after midnight. And it took me every bit of six days to do it. Four, I, I struggle with. But well, if you if you read the guidebooks, Dennis Casebeer says take twelve days. But that's yeah. Dennis describes every plant. Well, yeah, but the then way. you're stopping because you're looking so, at petroglyphs right. and you want to go on the side hike <laughs> right. up to, you know, uh, the Mojave Megaphone or, or whatever. In, in in that example right. of the EMHT, so is that band still together? Uh, Mojave Megaphone. Yes. Yeah, they are, yeah. but uh, they're they're um, <laughs> rock they're, they're rock legends. They're, oh, rock legends! Right, they are, <laughs> they are rock legends. Now, did petroglyphs they're, open they're for them? They're hard to find. Left side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are. Okay. They are hard to find unless you know where to look. I was gonna go see them with narrow drop offs, 
Yeah, but they uh, they they oh, narrow drop offs well, broke up. Isn't isn't Wet Dry Lake opening for them? Oh, yeah, they they they, they <laughs> might be Wet Dry Lake. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> All right, so oh, you guys. <laughs> all right, so let's let you. Yeah, this is this is a, a vehicle-based show, and we're talking about vehicular-based uh, mm-hmm. uh, exploration. Right? Do you guys? Let me. I want to interrupt you because I want to put a button on the last thought. Wait a minute. Hold on. You want to interrupt? Just like why did, why did you preface it? Like normal. Okay. Because I I feel like I. Thank the, you for the, the warning, the, by the way. Many of us have the fastest truck that we can afford, right? Or mm-hmm. a capable, the best, the most capable truck, I should say, okay. that we can afford. And we have limited vacation days because most of us have jobs. Yes, right. So I have exactly. a vacation of said five to seven days right. max. Yeah. Even if I'm going to go, I'm going to leave on a Saturday and get home on the following Sunday. That's just not enough days. We all think, like Billy said, I need to do 100 miles in six days and I need to see it. And I'm like, okay, wait, wrong approach. I think Billy's getting it. Slow down, do half. You, you don't right. have to do yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, you can always go back. Like, that's, I was disappointed right. the first time that I did, uh, you know, attempted the EMHT because I had a group that was a lot slower than I thought they were going to be. So I wasn't able to drive at my pace. So I only got half of it done. I had to wait an entire year before I went back out there. But with do you a look back group. at that as being a better experience because you were going slow, or did you just feel like you had a ball and chain behind you? Uh, both. Okay. Both. I mean, after, after I basically com- uh, completed it this year, I look back on it, and when I was by myself, I did 120 miles the last day by myself. The first time we were with the group, we covered like 30 miles one day. So that tells you like the day, I mean, obviously taking into account terrain and all that kind of stuff, but I was waking up early and going down, to, you know, going to sunset where before it was right. like, you know, everybody at nine, 10 o'clock, then up, yeah. it's three o'clock in the afternoon, time to stop. It's like when you're by yourself, you can motor, but then you also take more right. risks because you're by yourself. So uh, yeah, because I think I think you, Sean. I think you took two days to do what I did by lunch of day one. Uh, yeah, day right? t- I because think day it, two, day day one. Yeah. I think we did okay, but we started late because of uh, everybody meeting out there. And we I think we started like around noon or one, so we didn't have a lot oh, of daylight because okay. we did in November. Right. The next day was the disabo- the disappointing day because even though we crossed into state line and got the searchlight, it was like. We didn't get anywhere near. I, I wanted to be when we were in searchlight. I wanted to be at the 15 already, crossing over to do everything around the Coliseum mine and stuff yeah. like that. How do we apply these rules to places around well, the country? So, so here the, I, I made well, a list, and I was going to go through this list with uh, with you and Billy, and you guys feel free to jump in. To me, vehicular based exploration requires these categories. I'll list off, and then I'll give you kind of like. The entry level of that category, and then the ultimate of that category, if that makes sense. So I'll, uh, okay. I'll start with. So number one is going to be really good suspension. So for me, the entry level thing on there is going to be a monotube shock. A smooth body monotube shock should be the bare minimum if you want to cover decent ground and you want to do it comfortably with everything in the middle going up to a bypass shock that's user tunable for the loads and everything. And you want to make sure that it's not just shocks. You want to make sure you have enough um, spring capacity for the load you're carrying, and you want to make sure you have enough travel, and that if you've modified your vehicle, that you know what your limits on the vehicle travel are, so you don't rip out a CV joint or a U joint or an axle with too much droop, or you don't send a you know differential into your oil pan because you've modified it and you don't know what's on either end. Because what you may do doing that big dip in the city, that big cross ditch you're going to be finding the limits way harder and way more often when you're out in the middle of a place like the Mojave Desert. So what if I have a truck that I haven't 
been out to the desert before in, and I don't know the limits. I know what the manufacturer specs were, how much travel they told me I could have. But what's the usable travel that I well, would get without being really the, the, uncomfortable the easiest, or breaking something? The easiest thing, the, the rule of thumb is if you're on your jounces, you're, you're overdriving the suspension. So you want to feel that suspension breathe, and you don't want to be crushing into the jounces. If you're bouncing off the jounces, slow down. You're, you're, you're going to damage the vehicle. You're going to break the jounces. Once you break the jounces, you're metal-to-metal contact, and it's going to cause a lot of other problems. But the rule of thumb is don't overdrive your suspension. Quite simply, it's staying out of the rebound and compression jounces to make sure that you have that suspension working within it. Travel I mean, doesn't matter to the driver other than having more allows you to soak up more terrain. Along those lines, right, it, it's also you have to have an honest assessment of the driver capability and comfort with that vehicle. So, for instance, my truck, I, I've owned a 2002 Chevy Avalanche since day one, 2002. And then I destroyed it in 2019 and I bought another 2002 and put the exact same kit on it for my old truck. So I know how it drives. And when I first took that new truck out, I was probably 50% maybe of the pace that I would normally be because I was trying to make sure it would do exactly what my old truck did and learning its differences, learning its quirkinesses because every vehicle is different. Sean has a very, very capable Jeep. I have a very capable Avalanche, and I guarantee you he's going to be half the pace of me in my Avalanche, and I'll be half the pace of him in his Jeep because I don't know it and he doesn't know mine. So you have to you have to make sure that as a driver, you really understand your vehicle before you start even trying to get anywhere near its limits. Yeah, go go do the day trips. Go do the easy stuff and take friends. And get to get to know, you know, we've talked about my buddy Lawson, who works for AEM. He's been on the show before, has the Land Cruiser, the 80 Series. And the first thing he did when he bought that, because he had been out of off-roading for so long, is he and I did a bunch of day trips together. And then he started taking his family out and doing stuff on his own and, and basically getting to know the vehicle and the limits before we even put Modification 1 on it. Once he was comfortable with a stock vehicle, then we put a lift kit on it. And then we went back out. And then, you know, it just kind of progressed from there. And it's always better to get a baseline feel for the vehicle. And I actually kind of broke that rule. My old JK was incredibly capable. When I got my JL, I, I basically got it as an AEV factory build. So I never drove a uh, my vehicle as a stock JL off the factory line. I only drove it as an AEV. Aren't you a little spoiled brat? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, but over as as I have grown with the vehicle and pushed it way further than I thought it would because the level of capability is so high, I've had to make modifications. Like I just put high capacity coils on it. I just upgraded to the eighty one hundred shocks from Bill Stein on there and uh, upgraded from all terrains to to KM threes and on and on and on because you start driving the vehicle and realizing, okay, my limitation are I'm going a lot deeper and harder. I need a better shock. I need more hauling capability. I have, I need a better sidewall. So I need to upgrade my tire. And so that's going to bring me to my next thing. And the next category is tires. At minimum, you should have a three ply all terrain. And I know there's a lot of manufacturers who make really good two ply tires. And they're like, oh, it's as strong as a three ply. For my peace of mind, I'll only do a three ply all terrain. And then the max right. of that is, is a mud terrain. Is something more right. aggressive, beefier lugs, more tread depth, tougher sidewall. Well, and again, right, know what your know what your terrain is, right? If if you're gonna be in varied terrain, so I run a mud terrain because it with the thickest sidewall I can find, because I get into extreme right lava is very sharp and, and has a propensity to do very bad things to the side of a tire. I prepare for the worst case scenario that I can get into because I'm never in one single type of terrain. 
But if I was going to be planning a trip where I knew I'm doing 200 miles across, you know, the, the Desierto Altar and it's going to be soft sand, then I'm going to want a tire that's going to float rather than one that's going to dig. And so, you know, you also have to look at, you might have a trip on your agenda that requires you to change out some of your stuff as well. Or to Billy's point, you know, if, if for me, I did probably 15,000 miles, three or four of them on all trains with zero issues at all. And again, better flotation in sand, a little bit better all weather capability. But again, I wanted, I saw myself getting deeper and deeper in places I never would have even taken my JK before. And I thought I'd get the JL and it would be a little bit more mild build. And it hasn't been, I'm getting close to where my JK wasn't even beyond in some things, but I, I upgraded to a three ply mud terrain because again, I wanted those big sidewall lugs. And you know, I was just out uh, out in the desert a couple weeks ago, and our TRX took a piece of wood that was probably a sixteenth of an inch round, like a uh, and probably three inches long, like a little wooden spike. Was oh, this how you got the hole in the side? And it put it right through the bottom of a lug, so it was actually parallel to the tire and just barely kicked into the air chamber on it on the Goodyears that come on that thing, and they're not great. Well, the tires I have on my Jeep, I could never, I could, I will lose faith in those Wranglers forever. Um, what comes on the TRX because I was basically hosed by one little sharp piece of wood, and that's mm. that's not acceptable. That's why a lot of these guys are going out there and they put a better set of tires on because the yeah. factory stuff is tuned to the vehicle and it's good. But there's a lot of compromises that come in. You can't buy that same tire on the shelf. Well, they made the, the tire for the TRX. So those, those t- the, because the lugs were too far apart on those tires? Or no, it's they, just for whatever the sidewall wasn't as thick uh-huh. as it could have been, and this one little because. piece of wood just went in. It didn't poke in perpendicular, right, from the side like you would expect, right? You'd expect something right. to the, you drive over something, goes through the tread, goes through the sidewall. No, this was parallel to the tire and just happened to catch the edge of a lug and went right under it. Into oh, so it's like a splinter in your finger. Exactly. The way it worked at an angle. Yeah, and, and, it, and it was a super slow leak. I had to fill up two or three times with air heading home, and I threw a plug in it, and you know I have a tire on order, and the plug has to be good enough for now. That, that's the other thing I'll say is if you know, know how, how to plug a tire, <laughs> know like, how to plug. Yeah, you, I you, saw your Instagram post. Yeah. And did you see all the people like, well, women can do that? I'm like, listen, this isn't a woman thing. Wait a minute. You didn't say anything right. about any male or no, female? But, no, I said it said you'll get a corner of your man card torn oh, off. Gotcha. So right. then people took exception. Like, just stop. It's okay to be a male and masculine, and all you ladies who know how to plug a tire, awesome. You are badasses. Well, why can't ladies well, yeah. have man cards? They can have a man card, but I'm calling <laughs> it a man card. Be- anyway, if you don't know, if you're out exploring, you need to have a tire patch kit and you need to know how to use it. Whether it's a patch or a plug, right. you should have that capability on board your vehicle because it will sometimes you can save the tire you're on so you're not getting into your spare. Because the worst thing you can do right. is have a small nail or a piece of cactus. And yes, cactus will or acatillo or or yuccas. Oh, yuccas oh, will poke right through. Oh, yeah. Toya? Yeah, right through. Right through. So had that happen. So would you rather I lost my fuel line to a Toya. Oh, did you? That's uh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Fuel line. Yeah. Choy, no, it went, under, went under the belly of the, uh, the, the truck. The, the archaeologist, we were, in a, we were in a little used area, and the archaeologist that was with me was like, just run over it. It'll be fine. Because I had nowhere <laughs> else to go. It was the, So I picked the smallest one, and it 
took out my fuel line and do you, see, womp, do you like womp. you like that uh, that humble brag there the archaeologist he, i was with yes well you know <laughs> the archaeologist and his name's cornelius <laughs> there it is there's my favorite right there billy creeks desert explorer <laughs> and fuel line drainer, <laughs> fuel line drainer. Uh, but, but seriously if you're right. going out there bring you you need to have the next thing on my list is a toolkit and not just a basic toolkit a toolkit where you know what all the you know it, does your vehicle use torques Metric, standard, like some Fords, everything, right? You need, you should have a complete set of all the hand tools. You should have screwdrivers. You should have, you know, uh, fuel line pliers. You should have extra fuel hose. You should have tape. You should have JB Weld. You should have radiator stop leak. All that kind of stuff. Like my toolkit that and I carry with fluids. me. And fluids. My toolkit, just in tools alone, probably weighs 45 or 50 pounds. And that goes with me wherever I go. Because Last time I went out, I took my, uh, my DeWalt impact wrench. And that was it? That was your yeah. tool? That was it. I, I mean, I actually carry no. a old Craftsman uh, impact wrench because it's way faster and more efficient to swap out a tire. Especially when it's hot and you're dying out well, there. Well, not only like, that, what <laughs> people don't realize, they'll go put a high offset off-road vehicle with a dished wheel on it that has a bigger sidewall right. bulge and that L-shape you know, tire iron that Can't, they give doesn't you, get in there. it doesn't get in there anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so now right. you have no way to self-recover. And so I use the well, impact wrench with, and I always carry the same... Uh, deep impact sockets of everybody who's with me too. So I've got a socket for all their their wheels as well. Depending on right, if you're a lot of people lift their vehicles, and I'll, I'll look at a vehicle that's got you know, in my opinion, lifted way too high, right? Because I go as high as necessary. How as dare possible. you? There is no but, such thing as lifted too high. Uh, there is when no, you're caring about no, center of gravity yeah, and exactly center of gravity schmavity. When, when when you when you get off camber and it's a yeah. long way down. Yeah. It, it, the um. Lightning you doesn't know. know, but one day he will. I uh, no, I he will. trust we'll me. I've, I've seen the trails. I've seen guys like sideways about to tip, you know, go down, and <clears throat> no, I don't want with you behind the wheel. No, like half a Daytona truck me couldn't make it through. You know those trails out. You know, I would love to Death see Valley. one of those trucks on like the Rubicon. They're not well. I mean, come on. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to see one of those trucks some on of the those, EMHT. Dude, would not last. Some of those trucks can't even go down the highway. Yeah, on a flat road or you know, on a flat bed for that matter because they're too big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was mine, by the way. <laughs> You know, one of the things that people do is, is, and I see it all the time, is they have a big vehicle with big tires, and you go, okay, where's the jack? They still got their stock scissor jack. No, they're the just going to put that's... wood and logs and stuff yeah. under well, it. Well, yeah. or in the, in the case of either Max Tracks or AEV, you can get a jack base, right? The AV jack right. base fits the scissor jack right. on it and is made to make up for the 37-inch tires. Or you right. can get a jack base style Max Track, especially on the minis. You flip it over and it has a flat platform that'll that'll be a, right. lift your jack up and also if in soft sand, give it a bigger footprint yeah. so it won't sink. So stock jack's okay if it'll reach for your tire. The other thing right. I would say is hydraulic jack, if you have room for it, is always going to be better than right. a mechanical scissor jack off road. Always. Yes. My other pet peeve is watching people with a high lift and they lean their face right over the handle. Yeah, um, that's that's not good. In fact, I was just talking to Austin right. Hera. Over at High Lift, I'm like, you got to come on the podcast, and so we're gonna try you and get him on. What? Describe the situation. Well, so a, a High Lift is a farm implement that's been adapted to off roading, and it's basically a that's the big a, one that I see in the back of the Jeeps, right? Yeah. Okay, and it's got the big handle. Well, if you don't have the the switch on it set right, it'll ratchet backwards on itself. And I've oh. seen more people get hit in the face or break broke uh, broken nose, broken jaw because they're not clear. They don't know how to use it. And they go lift something up and they let go. And if it's not locked, it'll go as the thing goes down and smack you right in the face and the arm. And I'll tell you, like that, that'll mess you up. 
<laughs> yeah, you're so stunned you don't know the next hit's about to come, and Mike Tyson just popped you twice. That sounds like exactly. a, a like a cartoon, a Saturday morning cartoon. With the, oh, the, yeah. He just keeps getting smacked. Oh, and it's, right. it, I mean, I've seen people get really, really beat up from that, like, like bad. It's not great. And so that goes into our next thing, first aid kit. Make sure you have at least a basic first aid kit, but you should have more than that. You should have, you know, it shouldn't just be band-aids. It should be, you know, bandages and it should be sanitizer and it should be, uh, you know, even crazy glue to no. close up a wound. Nope. Negative. Waste of space. Don't need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't need it. <laughs> Lightning is going to. I'm holding. I'm just writing this note right here. Die. Lightning is going to die. Yes. Uh, break. Make sure, Holman, that you bring a shovel to bury me. Oh, uh, so uh, <laughs> excellent point. Well, hey, Shovels. Okay. I'll tell. You, I'll tell you another good one to to put with your first aid kit is is one that I've actually I always carry it now, um, and I've had to actually use it in emergency situations. Is uh, a couple cans of Boostocks. Uh, compressed oxygen that you can buy you can buy a case of it off Amazon or Walmart or wherever REI. It's like huffing and lightning. It's like, is like huffing uh, the O2. But why? For somebody why? who might get heat exhaustion ah. or at altitude and they okay. get sick. Or you get a chain smoker at altitude. You get you get a uh, vehicle rolling off the side of a mountain, um, and you have a chest injury. Things like that. Um, I have had to use it. It it does work. They're not expensive at all. Um, they does it come with the face mask? They don't take a much. It's it's a little yeah. It's a little super tiny one. It's not like don't think of it like an oxygen bottle, like with the big tube and the clear plastic max. It's like it's, a duster. It's, piece. it's like a computer yeah. duster. It it almost looks like a Febreze with a little bigger <laughs> nozzle on it. Um, hmm. But they do work, and they're very right. They're for short term help, but they do help. So I would strongly recommend that people add that to their kit all right uh next up on my list would be uh axles lockers gears in that category so the minimum should be the correct gearing for the tire size you have if you've got bigger tires and you don't have the proper gears you're putting a lot of stress on your driveline you're also adding heat into your system that if you're in the desert is going to have to be thermally managed so it makes everything work harder makes your engine work harder radiator fan all that stuff work harder so Get the right gears in there. You want to, you know, re-gear. Very easy online. There's a million charts to figure out where you want to be. Uh, any forum, those guys have it all figured out. Go in the Facebook groups for whatever vehicle you have and say, I've got 35s. What gear should I go? And they'll, they'll be more than happy to tell you. The other thing is on the minimum side of it, so people don't realize a 4x4 from the factory is at most two-wheel drive. And what I mean by that is if you have two open differentials, so you don't have anything in the front, you don't have anything in the back, you have two wheels moving the vehicle. Now, it's one on the front axle, one on the rear, but you only have two wheels. And with an open differential, the way that works is the power is routed to the wheel with the least resistance. The problem with that is, let's say you put a wheel in the air. Well, guess where all the power is going? Right. It's going to the air because that's the least resistance. And so there's ways you can kind of work the systems a little bit to get power. You can modulate your uh, e-brake a little bit and see if you can get power to the other one, things like that. But more importantly, you can, at minimum, put a limited slip, at least in the rear. Uh, a lot of vehicles, limited slips are great in the front because they don't have the steering kind of bind or grab that a, a front locker would have. Uh, and so I highly recommend it. At minimum, a, a really good limited slip. You can get one from you know Eaton. You get one from Auburn. There's you know a gazillion you know, different places for it. And then the next thing would be lockers. Minimum rear locker if you're going to locker setup. But it's awesome to have a front and rear, 
you know, ARB, e-lockers, uh, a whole bunch of different options there. But what a locker does is it allows you to, at the push of a button, whether pneumatically engaged or electronically engaged, put your two axle shafts together so you're splitting your power 50-50 between the two sides of the axle so both wheels are turning at the exact same speed with the exact same power no matter what is in the air or not. And that way, say you're going through an obstacle and you lift a, a wheel. Well, the wheel on the ground is getting traction, but what if you drive through it and then it swaps and then it's the other wheel on the ground? Well, guess what? That wheel is now getting traction as well because they're locked 50-50. So now, a lot of um, modern trucks have lockers, but they're usually only in four-wheel low, correct? Four low with a few exceptions. Uh, a Bronco, you can go four high. Raptor, you can go four high. TRX, you can go four high. Uh, on the Wranglers, there's the off-road plus mode that allows you to do that. Some of them you can either do uh, two high, which I believe the uh, Bronco is one of them. The difference between a pneumatic locker, like an air locker, a ARB air locker, and a electronic locker, like an e-locker, is with an e-locker, you push a button and there's a, uh, you know, basically wires going into a little solenoid. You can hear that a lock. pin pushing it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, you know, with an ARB, they're basically using compressed air to go through and lock it. If I had my choice... It's more complex, but I like an air locker because you can never create enough electrical energy on a vehicle, at least a modern vehicle today, an internal combustion vehicle, that will slam that thing home as hard as you'll get with a pneumatic locker, which means the engagement's a lot faster. Why does it matter, the engagement speed? Because sometimes you're waiting for the two sides of this gear pack to engage, right? And so... The faster that you can engage it you're, is the less slip that you're going to have. And sometimes you're in a situation where if your axles or your, your shafts are bound up or your wheels are in a bad spot, you may be watching, especially on an OE truck with a rear locker, it's going to just be blinking at you until you get to a point where it's happy that the, both those sides of that axle lined up. have lined up. Okay. And, and that may be too, you may be too late if you haven't engaged in time, whereas yeah. with an air locker, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you home. So Could that damage? Yeah. Forgive me for not knowing, but it, could that damage something for slamming it? Well, if you're spinning a tire, well, you never want to start, you know, put a locker in with one of them spinning. But if yeah. you're both controlled and moving through something, you can do it on the fly. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, you need to be, so if you're using an air an air locker, you should not be under power. You can be moving, but off the throttle. Right. And um, the benefit of air lockers, it also comes with an air compressor. Exactly. Which, which is something you're probably going to add with your e-locker anyway. So why not have it plumbed and have a better locker? So, right. I mean, there's there's different schools of thought. E-locker is a, a lot easier, more simple to do, um, but they're definitely better than the old, like, Detroit lockers, which are automatic locking, which are the ones that might engage halfway through a turn on the street and send you, yeah. you know, somewhere else. So I'm plumbing an airline into, am I drilling a hole in my in my rear axle yeah, housing? It, it, yep, right yeah. right into okay. the, uh, the, you know, the, the housing's nodular right iron. Most, yep. Right, okay. There's usually a, a little uh, a little metal so it's usually flexible hose all the way to the little metal fitting, and then it's metal into the uh, into the diff. Okay. You know, to your uh, really direct question or answer to your question about you know why is it important for the time to engage is because most people wait until it's too late to actually engage it. They don't look ahead of them. They get into something that now all of a sudden there's a struggle and they need that locker on. Are there situations, so, Billy, that I should I should not have the locker on? Like where other than tight, t- tight, tight turns? turns? Okay, okay. Tight turns, yeah, because your your rear. Think of a think think of a spool in a drag car, right? The the rear end is locked. The the tires are turning 
at the exact same time, all the time, the same rotational speed, both sides of the vehicle, no matter which way, if you're turning, that's why a, a drag car will hop yeah, so, yeah. or gotcha. crow, crow hop. And then so, remember, differential. Why is it called differential? I know we assume everybody listening knows, but a differential is because it differentiates or allows the differentiation of speed because as you go around a corner, the outside wheel has to travel faster than the inside wheel to make up that shorter or that difference in the arc from the inside arc to the outside arc. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have a mechanism, which is an open differential, which allows both sides to turn at different rates. A limited slip minimizes that and a locker absolutely locks them together so they'll always be going the same speed and you don't never want to use a locker on any sort of dry pavement or high traction surface or even dry dirt that you you know that you're not crawling over you just you don't need it there yeah but i'm going to do it like uh, finnegan does on uh on roadkill where he just welds the uh that's a way that's a way to do it (laughs) weld the spiders yeah so there's another benefit to a locker um and four-wheel drive is when you're in really soft terrain, the fewer wheels that you have power being applied to the ground. So if you're in two wheel with, a, with an open diff or an unlocked diff, um, all of the power to move that vehicle is being planted and driven into the ground by one wheel. Which means so that one, of- your drive shaft, your U-joint, whatever, everything's being routed through that one appendage of your vehicle, of your right. driveline, if you will. Right. When, but, you're, when, you, when you're is, locked, you're splitting it up, so sure. you're divvying up the power. Right. So when you, when you like, my my vehicle is an ARB locker in the rear. Um, nobody makes a front locker for mine, so my, my front is open. So it's essentially three-wheel drive. Or if you know how to drive two-footed, you can, you can make that work a little bit better um, by applying some brake and gas and brake and gas. To He's, you're essentially friction. preloading the, yeah. uh, the diff in the front. And that's a, that's a, if you have a helical style limited slip, like a Torsen or a true track, you know, a Eaton true track, same principle applies where you can uh, basically use the brake torque to preload it, to kind of have it operate closer you're, to you're, a locker. You're just faking the but, diff. But sometimes that's right. all you need to get you through something, right? Gotcha. Hey, Billy, right. when are you going to upgrade to a car that was made this century? A truck. Um, it was made this century. It's a, it's a, it's a 2002. <laughs> yeah, he's two years into it. You're good. Great. You know what? It's cracks I, me you know Decade, you bet. Go ahead and laugh. Go ahead and laugh. But you know, I'm I'm usually the one chuckling when I watch people with their hundred thousand dollar Jeep that they still have ten years worth of payments on when they scratch the paint the first time. Yeah. No, I don't doubt it. You know why? Because he's so. In a crate, desert explorer. <laughs> and he doesn't care you about know, desert pinstriping. No. A, lot of, a lot of desert pinstriping for sure. Right. But you know, I mean, I'm we, just giving you a hard time, a, dude. Right, I know. We we've covered a lot of of ground, right? Understanding your vehicle, understanding. Would you yourself. say the pacing was right, though, Billy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. Tip your waitress. She'll be here all week. Yes. Where am I? Tired. <laughs> it just flew in. We didn't even do the expedition cocktail either. So yeah, you know. <laughs> the um the vehicle the kit, the the driver, who you're with, right? You can you can be comfortable driving, you know, 30 miles an hour over a certain terrain, but if you have somebody with you in their vehicle who they can't or they won't, then you need to be at their pace, not force them to yours because you're just going to end up in a really bad situation if you try that. One of the things I, I know we, we get into this conversation every time I'm on about a lot of your listeners are not from the Western U.S., and, and therefore they think you guys, you know, focus on that. But 
you know, one California of the biggest things, <laughs> right? Well, I don't live there anymore, so so I'm okay. No, you're good. The um, the uh, the two of the things that people really mess up when planning a trip out out to the desert areas of the Western U.S. is they completely underestimate the scale and the scope. And what I mean, what I mean by scale is the sheer size of the area and how big things really are and how far apart they really are. Like Death Valley, you can do a, a, an 1100 mile trip in Death Valley and never see the same thing twice. Or, um, or the same person for that matter. Or the same person or any people. Or, or and keep in mind, the difference between, say, Death Valley and Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail is you could take a full size heavy duty truck through most of the trails in Death Valley. And you probably wouldn't even get much pinstriping on it. It's, it's, it's you know, open. appropriately sized. It's open. You go to parts of the EMHT, and you're going to be dragging your t- your trailer hitch on everything. You'll be knocking your rockers. You have to watch on a Chevy, your def tank, all that kind of stuff. And people underestimate the capability of their vehicle in terms of size. Not the fact that you're I have a lift. They overestimate tire. the yes. capability. Yes. Not you know, it's not good enough just to know. Oh, I have a lift, and I have tires, and I have a locker, and I have all this stuff, and then you figure out you're too physically big for the two tracks, or you're 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 scraping on everything. Right. Well, where do you find this information out? I mean, what kind of you know we're talking about <laughs> truck show podcast? No, 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 no. Like what mapping system? I mean, what uh, well, honestly? Like where 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 am I looking? Well, Onyx. This up? I know. So does Onyx have the width of trails? No, no, nobody has the width of trail. This is just comes nobody from experience and exploring. That's right. part of the deal. But what happens? So like, let's say let's say you were going on Onyx off road. And you were going to look at, you want to do the EMHT. It's a featured route on there. I'm the one that put it on there. And as a result Humble of that, you, you can actually, you can actually, um, Hey Lightning, who put that read. on there? Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> oh, this thing. With the EMHT right on there, I put a trail guide, right? I put descriptions for each segment in there, what to expect. So some of those routes, you can actually read stuff like that and get an idea of what you're in for. The other thing is the guidebooks. They're extremely helpful because they're extremely informative. Now, trail conditions change, but typically the terrain does not. So a Joshua tree, it might not be the same Joshua tree, but it's still you're going to have Joshua trees on each side of you and scraping your paint. Or if you're a Ram guy and your mirrors are up. Like lightning will be, mm. you'll have to fold those bad boys in. No, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna uh, <laughs> get my 10 millimeters I, out and I, take I, the mirrors off. I lost, I lost my passenger side mirror on the EMHC the first time. Huh, I did. That's funny. I lost a person um, out there once. You did? <laughs> Who'd you lose? <laughs> Different story for another time. Interesting. I think that what? story is embargo. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be a campfire story. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The that. the. Uh, the other thing people underestimate, right? So Were you standing by the campfire that night and going, "That was awful"? I mean, that was they, that was awful. They eventually came back. It's, uh, it it uh, worked uh, out. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. As far as as far as the uh, authorities know. Okay. <laughs> did Heavy D so, from uh, Oh my gosh. from uh, Diesel Brothers come looking for you? <laughs> he did not with his giant rig and drop down into a mine no. looking for you. No, no, that didn't happen. It never happened. Interesting. Uh huh. All right, let me let me hit the last couple of things on my uh, vehicle build out. Like you got more. Stuff. Do you want to yeah. die? All right, uh, recovery okay. gear. And I just want to point out, a lot of people think they don't have a rear recovery point, but they have a hitch. And if you are smart about it, and you bring a hitch pin, most toe straps will slide right inside of a receiver. You throw the uh, hitch pin in, and that's a great toe point because most toe points on the back are off the frame rails. 
on either side, and so you don't get a squared vehicle pull, you get a sideways pull. And when you use the hitch, you get a really sturdy um, center, even pull, and that's the best way to do it. So uh, if you have a hitch, always go to your hitch before you go to a, a tow hook or something like that. I was that. watching uh, some guys at Pismo Beach, which is uh, kind of like the, the beaches on the, it's on the West Coast, but it's like the beaches on the East Coast where you can drive down on the sand. Yep. And the guys were trying to pull out a, uh, a F-250 pulling a, a trailer. And it was a Raptor trying to pull out this F two fifty. Yep. And he goes around one of the hooks on the on the uh, the front of the truck. I think it was an F two fifty. Yeah. And he Bad gets a idea. he gets a head start. He goes boom, pulls the hook and yeah. opens it up like yeah. it just it's a it's so, now so just an most, open C shape like pulling a, a paper most clip hooks open. are usually one point five or two times gross vehicle weight rating on most off road package vehicles. The the better thing to have, and so in your tote, you know, in your recovery bag, it's not good enough to have one strap. But if you can only have one strap, do something like a, a dynamic rope, uh, ARB, AEV, bubble rope, something with stretch, because what it'll do is it'll rubber band. So all that kinetic energy, as it, the strap pulls back, will both soften the blow of the yank. But also easy. That's what she said. Easy lightning, and it will help you pop out of the hole. No, that's what she said. No lightning. No, <laughs> I knew it was coming. And let me get my let me get my newspaper out. Okay, and then the uh, the other thing I was going to say, uh, GPS. So minimum would be on your iPhone. Well, hang on, hang on, yep. hang on. Before you go to GPS, so one thing since you were talking about right using your receiver uh, pen. Yep. People, please make sure you do not put a toe strap around a toe hitch around the ball. No, don't do, don't do that. I've seen people do that. Yeah, don't do that. And don't do that. Don't do that. We need to have a recovery episode. We should. We should. We should do. We should right next to our toe episode. Uh, you know who would be perfect for that is Nina Barlow. Nina, okay. Nina actually teaches recovery. Okay. Yeah. Or, or Paul uh, Staple over there. Uh, we'll, we'll set that up. That's a good one. Um, also, uh, GPS, so minimum, you know, your phone, but better to have something like Onyx where you can download offline maps because you'd never know if right. you're not going to have cell service, and then all of a sudden you don't know where you are. Um, and then I was going to say, this one might not be as obvious. Well, skid plates also. Mm-hmm. And then this one might not be as obvious, but cargo tie-downs. Mm. Um, because yes. things breaking free or coming loose in either a rollover or a collision will kill you. Um, but also if you get into, you know, most people who explore the desert know that all of a sudden you come around a corner and then there's a G out or there's a series of whoops and you're going way too fast and you just have to ride out. You can't slow down and it just is what it is. You don't want everything in the back coming up, flipping around and being destroyed. I've seen it happen. I literally was jumping, uh, our company JK, uh, back in the, uh, Idaho sand dunes and, uh, had a box in the back that had all of our food in it. And there's certain times in the, in your life where you have like a little mental image or video that plays in your head of exactly what happened. I'll never forget those Entenmann's uh, cinnamon crumb donuts flying out of the box, flipping in the air, and then spilling all over the back. All in the rearview mirror, I'm watching this. And then the, uh, the, the tote came down and smeared all of them into <laughs> the floor. And if I would have just had a and they're not tie even, down. They're not even good donuts. But you still they're ate great them, right? donuts. When you're no. in the desert, they're great donuts. Oh, well, they're, everything's great in the desert. Them, right? yeah. I, well, you, I scraped up what I could. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, you, you know, you don't let stuff like that go away. So anyway, no. th- those are my, sort of my categories of things that you really need to, to think about before you do any, 
I mean, honestly, this is stuff that even a day trip trail, but most definitely anything more than uh, uh, two or three days in the backcountry, uh, self-sufficiency, this is the bare minimum to get out there. You didn't stuff. mention and beer because I like uh, bourbon. I'll, I'll add one more thing to your kit is a tarp. Um, or a moving blanket. Well, a moving blanket, but a tarp you can use, right? Let's say you did get stranded out there for any length of time, right? You can you can set that thing up as a big shade. You can set it up to gather water because it's slick, so water will run off of it. You can funnel it into a, into a receptacle. You can use it to lay on. I, I use mine for that all the time. You can use it for lots of other things that aren't necessarily pleasant. Um, the person who didn't show up at your campfire, for instance. So, so there's there's a lot of big uses, very useful piece of kit, and it weighs nothing. It doesn't take up much space, and you can go buy one for five bucks at Harbor Freight. Buy a lot of things um, for five need, bucks. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the Taco Bell of tools. Nothing fancy. That's right. right. It's but that's a that's a good piece of kit to have. Before we uh, we let you get back to your regular life, we do have to say uh, congratulations to you for uh, becoming the president of the uh, MDHCA. And that's the uh, Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association. And uh, you got on the board, and they just voted you president. So now you're down there at MDHCA, uh, the home of the Mojave Road and EMHT. And uh, you alluded it to it in some of the things you're talking about, working with National Park Service and BLM. And there's a lot of really cool things coming. I've been helping you with some of that stuff and excited right. to talk more about that stuff as as the year goes on for Anybody in the Southwest U.S., it's going to be a destination uh, you'll want to you want to go to. Well, anybody, we- anybody for anywhere, right? If you're if you're planning a trip out into the Mojave Desert, if you're from North Carolina, Tennessee, wherever, plan that as a stopover point. If you're a member, you camp for free for a week, thirty five bucks so, for a year, hell of a deal. Right now, yeah, I mean, it could go up, <laughs> wink, wink. So uh, could, go, could go up. Go go to mdhca.org and uh, and do Billy. Uh, a favor and me a favor and and sign up for a membership mm-hmm. out at Goff's, which our, is our supplies running out. Is uh, the supply chain no, issues no, no, no. are affecting the? No, uh, absolutely not. We right. we want we are we have unlimited supplies of uh, memberships. Okay, but you'll be helping the uh, the Goff Schoolhouse Museum, uh, which is a little town in Goff's that's uh, what five miles north of I forty on what used to be part of the old Route sixty six. It's like this little desert town oasis that has incredible things like working stamp mills from mines. Uh, it's an outdoor museum that has artifacts from the Mojave Desert and has the most extensive uh, ar- um, uh, archives for anything related to the Mojave Desert and is backed by a couple of uh, uh, school systems because of the archives there. It's a really great place to learn about the desert, and it's only about 30 minutes from Needles, which is traditionally where people start from you know, the EMHT and not too far from the start of the Mojave Road. So you would be able to, you know, if you're a member, camp there rather than at a hotel or something, and then be able to start your, uh, your trail fresh in the morning. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff, mdhca.org. Be sure to check it out. And again, 35 bucks. Uh, for a year membership, nonprofit, you can write it off. Pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Appreciate all the kind of words. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Uh, are oh. we gonna Are we gonna talk about our uh, meetup out there? So, is this are, are we making it's, it's, it official? Well, it's unofficially official because we got to have Rory on. Okay, but um, if you guys, you know, Lightning mentioned camping with us, and so this has been something I've been working on for basically the past month or so. 
And um, in April, the weekend currently, I believe it's April 22nd through the 24th, there'll be information soon at OlafEvents.com. Yeah, OlafEvents.com. O-L-A-F. That's Overlanding as F. Nope. Overlanding Adventure Families. Oh, uh, that, oh, you, that is so weenie. And, uh, that is ridiculous. Seriously? We're growing up. Actually, that, that is actually marketable. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's we're, so freaking we're, dumb. We're growing up. Overlanding as F. Ma- Just, Mark, you guys hear it. You heard Ma- it here first. Mark your calendars. Uh, it'll be uh, Friday, April 22nd through the 24th. It's going to be an incredible weekend. There's going to be guided tours of the first part of the Mojave Road and East Mojave Heritage Trail. There's going to be on-site uh, activities such as uh, seminars for recovery, uh, how to do backcountry travel, how to travel the different you know trails, as uh, blacksmith, um, chance to see the stamp mills running, which traditionally uh, MDHCA only does once a year at the Mojave Rendezvous event, and they're going to be running them that weekend for the Olaf uh, folks. There's going to be a bunch of other special stuff going on. We'll we'll talk more about it when Rory comes on. But at least mark the calendars. We're going to do a special truck show podcast camping area so that you'll get to hang out with uh, with me and Lightning. And uh, you have to you have to register for Olaf as part of your Olaf registration. You automatically are entered and become a member of the MDHCA. And then the only other thing it costs to enter our campsite will be really good liquor. <laughs> okay, we're easy like yeah, that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it from the uh, Mojave Road school bus that we have on site. Oh, wow, interesting. Maybe we'll yeah, maybe we'll just be a okay. Give, yeah, give you a bit of an iconic background. Now, like does that. It, this mean that uh, Mr. Billy Creech is coming down? Billy Creech. Oh yes, explorer. I'm gonna be there. there, and I have a really good memory, lightning. <laughs> uh, there'll also be uh, all the standard Olaf fare, such as I can't believe you played that drop over and over again, Holman. <laughs> yeah. just, you're just starting to annoy him, <laughs> not me. God, I can't believe it. Uh, there's also going to be raffle, and uh-huh. uh, I hear, mm-hmm. I hear that a new comedian is emerging and will be doing their very first stand-up Overland stand-up act at Olaf. So bring eggs. And vegetables. Oh, I don't wait, know. You guys are in California, right? The bear, <laughs> little bear. You can't waste. So you can't I'll, waste. I'll now, hold on a second. I'll wait a second. I don't know what you're referring to. I really don't. Yeah. What? what? Who? The, Who's the Overland comic? The Overland comic. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make an appearance and he's gonna do about a ten minute set. Is that you? The Overland comic. No way. Has been, I, is that you? He's been he's been doing a little bit of creative writing on the side, and <laughs> I <laughs> yes. I have done. I've got yes. about the first five minutes written. No. Way and I'm seriously. gonna do. I, I mean, the Overland comic, not me. The Overland comic uh-huh. is going to uh, basically roast uh, the Overland community. That is awesome. All right, uh, Billy, I've got uh, I've got uh, five questions for you here. Mm. Number five: uh, fridge or cooler? Fridge. Number four: scotch or bourbon? Ooh, depends on the scotch. Choose one: scotch or bourbon. Scotch. Number three. Uh, Scottle or stove? Stove. Number two. Chevy Avalanche or a really rad built-up Jeep with everything? Avalanche. (laughs) Number one. Are you a monocular guy or a binocular guy? Ooh, binocular. Binocular. But monocular is kind of cool. Dude, I just bought one. I just got a 15... Magnification Vortex monocular. It's awesome. Did you really? Yeah, and it has a uh, clip on it for the Molly on the back of either my uh, American Venture Lab Molly panel or the seats on the JL have Molly on the back. So that way 
I can just clip it to the back and I can grab it. So when I'm out in the desert, 15x is rad, dude. Now, what happens when you use your monocle and you look through your monocular? No, no, no you use your monocle in the opposite eye as your monocular. <laughs> That'll be you're gonna get sick all, to your all stomach. All I have to say <laughs> is, in April, when I am there and you are there and you two are there. You have to pull that thing out, and while you're looking through it, do the Cornelius voice. With my monocular? Dude, here's the deal. Nobody makes like a really decent monocular. They're freaking hard to find, and they're expensive as hell. You're thinking it's like the glass is half a binocular. It would be there'd be everybody and their mom would make one, but no. So I went online to look at this Vortex. It was like a 15 by 50 or something like that, and it even has like the little hash marks with like human sizes on it so you can gauge Mm -hmm. distance and all that. And with a 15X, like, look, I, you know me, I love airplanes, right? I'll look at the airplanes in the desert right. or what? or animals from far away. It's just, it's super at, or I'm on the high ground and I see some car coming. I'm, I'm going to be like the dude, at, you know, the dudes at Area 51 and I'm going to use it. But it's nice because you don't have to set it up for both eyes. It's really quick because you can just toss it up. It's more compact. It weighs less. But I, they, they were like 500 bucks for the 15 and it's like 300 bucks for... They're ten or eight or something Wait, like that. What you spent over two hundred fifty dollars on a monocular? Yeah, I did, but you're, check this. No, 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 check this out. Moron. No, no, no. Check this out. So I go on eBay, right? Because I'm like, oh, somebody's probably has a used one, mm. and I got outbid by five freaking dollars at the end, and I was pissed because it was just like an open box. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Amazon. So I go to Amazon. It's like other options to buy this item. One open box. It said brand new open box. You know whatever mm-hmm. was like. 60% of the price. So I bought it. It was per- the box was a little crunchy. Perfect monocular. Are we still talking about monoculars? Yeah. Dude, monoculars. I'm telling you, it's the yeah, way yeah. to go. I don't even know. Uh, I, I, I think I'd rather talk about barbecue. Hey, you know, <laughs> you can- <laughs> I was saying, I've, I've been looking at a set of Zeiss binoculars, but they're like three grand. Dude, they're, they're expensive. Like, uh, I know. Uh, Dude, I, I, was, I was looking at the Leica, has a great little compact. I think it's a 10X or 12X monocular. Dude, they're like 500 bucks for the little guy. So. Yeah. Anyway, the Vortex stuff's really nice, and uh, looking forward to my first desert trip with it, so I can uh, use it with uh, reckless abandon. What do you? Well, you just like? reminded me of something I needed to ask you. Did you know? So at Goffs, so next time you're out there, grab the walking tour guide. I forget which number it is, but we actually have a portion of the wing from the crashed F4 outside of Ludlow. Yeah. So I've looked buddy. for that crash site, and I think I have the coordinates, but I never. I haven't been out there, and I do have the walking guide, but I haven't gone through everything yet. But I, you yeah. know, I have that that Google document that has like fifty airplane wrecks that I've right. found over the years right. or researched. Here's so, the thing, people: if you're if you want to check out airplane wrecks, I may have said this before. The raddest thing, like Edwards Air Force Base, pockmarked with like old X plane crashes right. and stuff, and some oh, yeah. of it's part of the city, some of it's you know built over. I've got the coordinates for where the Virgin Galactic spaceship two crashed to the ground, like where the engine landed, where the pilot, where the the pilot uh, ejected, where the the cabin of it was. All I mean, all, all this stuff. The beauty of a military crash site, though, in the desert. By the way, the, uh, the there's an SR seventy one, or actually I think it's a A twelve out by uh, Randsburg, um, and there's a, there's a uh, monument out there. There's a B-25 Mitchell crash that's out by Boron where there's a little stone in the ground. All sorts of cool stuff out there. But every plane crash that happened with the military, especially during the X-plane program, massive equipment came and scooped that sucker up, and then they scraped through you know, to get as much of it as, you, as they can. That means that there's a road to every single one, and usually you can see the road, and a big crater, and there's a bunch of scrub brush and stuff, so you kind of have to look at it 
and go, oh, I think it was right there. And then just check it out. You'll find little pieces of glass and titanium. Sometimes you'll see a data plate. But you a-holes out there, don't steal it. Leave it for the next guy. Right. Because it really pisses. Right. That's why I don't share where with anybody. And I'm very careful who I take out there because I don't want somebody going back going, oh, this would be cool for my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. No, leave it out there. It belongs out there. But these are the types of things in the desert that I love. And it's it's finding those little pieces of history, whether it's a crash, you know, Jaeger crash, which Jaeger crashed like eight planes or something like that. Like he crashed all sorts of right. stuff. Uh, whether so it's an old an old airfield, whether it's a old shack that was, you know, like the rigs cap, cabin on EMHT or, or whatever. There's so much cool stuff. And then one last thing, I just found out there used to be a system of lightning. I don't know if you knew about this. When they were flying f- basically you know, airmail from coast to coast, every 10 miles along all these routes in the U.S. was a giant yellow arrow on the ground. And it was a big concrete arrow, and wait. there was a beacon and a shack. And there's still a few of wait, them left. Wait, 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 wait. How, how big is this Like arrow? 10, 12 feet, something like that. So mm-hmm. the pilots, because it was before VOR and radio navigation, and that's essentially what killed it, they would fly from arrow to arrow wait, wait, on these how, routes, like uh, Phoenix so, to- So wait a minute. They're like at like 5,000 feet or lower yeah, then. Yeah, like probably 1,000 feet, 2,000 feet. But yeah, there's these giant yellow arrows. There's only a couple of them left in California, and I found the coordinates to them. What's crazy is because in World War II, they didn't want the Japanese to invade the mainland and follow the arrows backwards to get to the next city because you would be able to go to Los Angeles, follow the arrows backwards to Phoenix or backwards to Vegas and on into the interior. They destroyed a lot of them. So there's just foundations and there's a few arrows that are out there, but they're not all there. So that's the stuff that's awesome. Interesting. So Did you, did you happen to – you thought there was one at Goss. Did you happen to – I, that you uh, yeah, uh, so I didn't have a chance to look for it, but I have the location. I think I found it on the satellite. So it's okay. it's is north. It, is it within the perimeter? Or? No, no, no. It's 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 northwest. It's up northwest. land, land fairways, and then okay. off off the road a few hundred yards. Because there was oh, one at Goss, strangely enough. So anyway, yeah, we could, we could go find that one. I'm out there because I'll be out there for probably a week and a half. All right, we're gonna go do that. Truck show podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It's the truck. Show right podcast. where you can take your truck we're, we're, and find we'll cool stuff. And go find an arrow. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, he can do anything he wants because he's Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> well, uh, you know what we should do, Sean? You know what we should do is is um, I'm working out the schedule for Olaf. That right with what what trips and tours and how who's going to do what and what I'm going to do if I'm going to teach do the desert exploration workshop or if I'm going to lead the EMHT trip. But we should get lightning on one of those trips, either Mojave Road or the EMHT one. Oh yeah, no, he 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 definitely needs to go. He's he's all sign him up and he then didn't, push he, him along. He didn't finish the sentence. It's get him out on the trip and, and then, leave him and then kill him. No, not kill him. Just leave him. No. That way you die a slow, no, thirsty death. Gotcha. All right. If you want to follow <laughs> no. Billy, it's at fractal exploration on Instagram. You can mm-hmm. see a lot of his. Uh, Don't know how to spell uh, that. Spell that out for me. It's a fractal f r a c t a l dot exploration. I would assume you can spell that. I just wanted you to spell it for everyone else <laughs> who couldn't spell it. Uh, anyway, at fractal exploration again. If you want to become a member of the MDHCA, mdhca.org. Benny Creech, Desert Explorer. Yeah. Hey ho! Teach us what you know. Go ahead, Billy. We're waiting. Billy. I, I like the I like the <laughs> Middle Eastern music behind that.
<laughs> we were imagining camels and pyramids behind you. It just you. says desert. You type in right. desert, and that's what you get. You know what I mean? Hey, we, we've got camel trek going on in May. Oh, dear God, we're done. With the camels. All right, enough with the We don't need camel talk now. All right, Billy. Well, thanks for uh, joining us again, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'll be talking to you in about uh, an hour. Less than 24, anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, tomorrow. i got to talk about a couple things. Uh, oh, so, so lightning, as always, man. Pleasure, and, and looking forward to meeting you in April. You too. You keep, don't mean that. Hey. Keep it real, brother. Did you just yeah. say keep it real? What's wrong with you? I'm keeping just, it real. That's why. I just I just raised my fist. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, we'll, we'll talk to you. See ya. Thanks, Billy. All right, guys. All right, bye. Later. Bye. All right, so uh, I believe Olaf is going to be opening up registration for the uh, uh, April 22nd through the 24th desert event out there at uh, MDHCA. So. Uh, go to OlafEvents.com. You should see some social popping pretty soon about it. I know they're getting all that stuff dialed in. Is that a thing, social popping? Uh, popping on social is a thing. I not, see. not social popping necessarily. Got it. Uh, and hey, is, is your wife into uh, watching easy? videos easy? of uh, zit popping? Well, easy. Uh, actually, I watch, uh, I, I watch Dr. Pimple Popper. Do you really? Because my yeah. wife watches that and it just disgusts me. I okay. can't. can't uh, why, are we, why are we on that tangent? Because uh, you said social popper. Jesus. <laughs> 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 all right, listen. I'm trying to get people to go to OlafEvents.com so that they can register and then they can hang out with us. It's this be is a the really kind of awesome conversation weekend. you'll hear is about pimple popping if I you know, hang out with us I'm, in the I'm actually I'm going to be staying somewhere else <laughs> and then I'll just be visiting the camp with you. Nope. I'm going to be staying in your tent. You will not know where I am because I will not be camping anywhere you can get to. Dude, how could I avoid Sean Holman doesn't explore his tent? <laughs> you just you can't even... <laughs> just it's ridiculous. <laughs> Listen, uh, we're gonna try and do a bunch of cool stuff out there. All right. So in the in the interest of uh, of in the interest of full disclosure, I was recently voted onto the board of directors for the MDHCA. No kidding. I am now on the board, and so what does that mean? It means that uh, I am one of the uh, I think currently eleven people that guide the organization, and we've got some really cool stuff planned for the next year. We're taking Dennis Casebeer's vision. And what a lot of people forget is that when uh, the Desert Protection Act happened in 1994, he went from vehicle-based travel and adventure to history. And we're going to try and bring it back and meld those two. So we're getting the off-road contingent in there and the overlanders and stuff like that. There's going to be a bunch of improvements at the golf site. There's going to be a bunch of improvements along with uh, memberships, what you get for your 35 bucks. Do 35 bucks for a year. Come on. Uh, and if you sign up for Olaf, you're automatically going to be enrolled as a member in MDHCA. Are you aware that um, Sean Holman doesn't have time to be a board member? That is, I am very aware of that, but I'm going to try and do it anyway. You, you might want to have a discuss with uh, with Sean and let him know uh-huh. that he doesn't have time to take this take on this role. Yeah, but uh, it's something that I'm passionate about, and it's an organization I care about, and I feel like I've got the skill set they need because one of their weakest areas right now is marketing and media, and that's sort of my uh, my specialty. And we're going to be rebranding. Uh, MDHCA and the organization. Uh, it'll still be the Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association internally, but externally it'll be something else. It shouldn't be, be uh, the world's longest acronym. Like it just no, it's not. It's going to be when we're securing the rights to a few things and planning some stuff out. So I don't want to talk about it quite yet. A little bit premature, but we're going to be rebranding. There's going to be some changes to the quarterly newsletters. I can't yeah, even that's embargoed. <laughs> some changes to membership. Uh, like I said, thirty-five bucks. Uh, it's a nonprofit, so you can write that off. And there's just an amazing amount of great things happening there. Some of the events, like Olaf, we're planning on having a blacksmith there to do demonstrations live. We've got three old stamp mills that run on site where we'll be crushing ore and showing you 
uh, what it takes to run those things. There's a living museum on uh, on site, an outdoor museum that we'll do walking tours of. Uh, Olaf has a bunch of stuff that they're going to be doing. And then I think we're going to be doing some uh, guided trails, like one or two of uh, the Mojave Road and the East Mojave Heritage Trail, but give you like the first 50 miles of each, like half-day excursion. So if you are interested in having a guided trail experience with your vehicle, with somebody who knows the area to bring you through the first part of this trail, we're going to do that at Olaf as well. So there's a lot of awesome stuff happening. Uh, So I'm going to be doing uh, dual purpose. You'll be entertaining everybody in our camp while I'll be camping on the staff side so I don't have to be next to you all weekend. That's bull****. All right. Well, then I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll. That's not cool. I'll split my time and I'll stay with uh, with our fans. No, one, yeah. One night. Uh, hold on. So you can't, on one hand, invite everyone to join oh, yeah. us April twenty second through the twenty fourth. I'm feeding your ego. They're and, coming to see you. And then, no, that doesn't work. And then ditch me, and ditch the listeners to go be a freaking board member. Well, if the that's listeners, weak sauce. If the listeners are going to bring cigars and bourbon, I will come back. I think that's the new price of admission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So anyway, keep your eyes open for olafevents.com uh, on there for the registration and uh, lots more to come. That's O L A F overlanding as F. Nope, overlanding adventure families. <sighs> overlanding adventure You guys you, you can see right through it, can't families. you? You're smart enough. Overlanding yeah. adventure families. Olaf O L A F. Put right. it together. events.com. Okay, April 22nd through the 24th. Now it's time for some news. You up for that? Sure. All right. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? I wasn't in perfect synchronicity, no, but it was you okay. thought you thought I wasn't going to do it, I and, I, and then I did, and you came late to the party. Well, because I waited, I waited, I I, and then when your head turned, I go, "He's going to do something," so I went for it. Mm. <sighs> what do you have? Hey, Lightning, did you hear? How about new? I have not heard. The 2023 Ford Ranger Raptor is coming to America. Oh, I did hear that. Yes, I heard that. It's awesome. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? Wait a minute. Wait, stop, stop, stop. What? That's big news. Why are you saying you... Oh, did you want to at, know at about first, it? Yeah. And at first, you were like, oh, well, if they've got the the Raptor coming over here, the uh, the, the uh, Bronco Raptor, they're not going to need, or they may not need another Raptor version of, a, of an existing truck, especially the Ranger. And here it is. So uh-huh. why do you not care? I didn't say I didn't care. Well, before the show, you mentioned that uh, it wasn't a big deal, and I think it's a big deal. I No, I didn't. You didn't mention that. No. You are assuming, my friend, once again. So tell me. Listen, I, I think if, it's cool. If you're a mid-sized pickup guy yep. and you want to go haul butt in the desert, dude, I had a Ranger Raptor before anyone else did. I built one in 2000 with yours a supercharger. This was not real. This is real. I built one with a supercharger and 14 inches of front travel and 17 inches of rear travel with four-wheel drive and a stick. Okay. It was kind of real. I, I had the Ranger Raptor far before this one. Ford took a long time to copy me, but- uh, I did a four-wheel drive truck back then, and so this this tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. It's cool, um, but 33-inch tires. The Bronco Raptor on the same on the same platform as 37s. Big difference. That's a big difference. Same engine, so uh, the three-liter twin-turbo EcoBoost V6, which is great because the current Raptor overseas has, I think, the 2.5-liter inline-five diesel, which mm. is not a great engine. No. So this is going to be way powerful. The interior of the new Ranger is awesome. I don't like the new Ranger's looks, but the Raptor fixes the things I don't like. So it's still it's a it's a pretty good looking truck. Uh, you can expect I think I don't know if they said it yet, but I want to say you know, foot of ground of uh, wheel travel something like that. So 
similar to what the TRX and Raptor have on a smaller vehicle that's narrower and shorter. So I think it's going to be popular. That's, that's going to be pretty I'm just awesome. Dying to know what they're going to charge for. It's got to be in the what sixties, yeah, I would assume, right? Of of course. Okay. Sounds like uh, other places like Europe, you might be able to get a different engine as well. The truck is said to have two eighty four horsepower and three sixty two pound feet in Europe, but the Australian version makes three ninety two four thirty. I would guess it'll be the same as the Bronco here in the states, so around four hundred horsepower. Um, and then the cool thing is the engine features what they're calling an anti lag system. Um, similar to what oh, the, they got a pedal monster in there? <laughs> the Euro Market uh, Focus ST. So uh, basically it keeps the turbo on boil, I guess, between shifts or lifts so that it's it doesn't wind down the power. So ah. it kind of keeps things going so you don't doesn't have turbo lag. It doesn't feel like lag. it's yeah, derating between the shifts. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, there's a bunch of changes. Uh, so there'll be front and rear diff lockers. Um, it'll have a coil sprung rear suspension. It'll have Baja mode, of course. The chassis has been reinforced with all the areas, the frame rails and where the shock towers and the spring mounts and all that kind of stuff. It'll have upgraded uh, steering and, and all that stuff will be beefed up. So the frame is definitely going to be uh, made for a high huckability factor, which is uh, pretty cool. So I would even say versus the Bronco. Bronco's a little bit shorter, but less mass from the wheel and tire package. I'm looking forward to seeing. I think you could push this Ranger pretty hard since they're, you know, basically based on the same chassis. Do we know what the weight is? We don't know what the weight is. And Ford uh, has 2.5 inch live valve internal bypass shocks on here, but the Bronco gets the 3.1 inch units that are similar to the size on the Raptor. Hmm. So you're getting less tire and less shock. Uh, okay, all right. But it's less truck. Well, it's a truck versus an SUV. Right. So I wouldn't call hmm. it less. Okay. 33s, I mean, my my Ranger, my 2000, uh, actually, I guess mine was 2002, was a, uh, was had 33s on it. Um, the old Range Runner. So if you look, uh, go to fourwheeler.com or or type in on Google four-wheeler project Range Runner, and you'll see my old Raptor. So where does this come in at? Against the TRD Pro? Uh, it'll be better. Yeah. It'll just like the Raptor is better than a TRD Pro Tundra. This will be better than a TRD Pro Tacoma. Um, this is this is classed up in terms of capability. It'll sit at the top of uh, the top of the market, at and least I, as the market currently sits today. And I saw the dash; they've got a uh, a vertical screen that looks very similar to uh, the Ram. It looks like a Ram interior. Yes, it does. Which isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. And, and I mean, they had to step up. I mean, they can only get well, their, the, they, listen. The current Ranger interior sucks. Yeah, it, I hate it. It's one of the things I hate the most about that truck. It looks dated. It has looks like it came from the era with the Ford Klingon center sections uh, on the dash, and it just feels like a big puffed up marshmallow economy car and it feels like a car inside the new ranger the interior feels more upright more truck like and even the back seats have bolsters on them too from the photos so that's kind of cool so you get to uh, hold your backseat passengers yeah so they have like orange accents throughout right yeah so i mean that's that's sort of like the in thing right is having some contrasting accents you can get that on the current uh f-150 raptor and uh i mean we'll we'll see i think it's going to be awesome i think uh, it's going to be expensive for midsize, yeah. Like I said, I think it's going to go for in the mid-60s. I think the key is going to be what the payload is. If the payload is at 1,500, it's going to be a winner. If the payload's 900, you're not any better off no matter what the performance is because you can't put a rooftop tent, your buddies, and all your stuff in the back, right? Mm. So that's the problem with the midsize trucks is, you know, you get a fully loaded uh, Tacoma, you're like 900,000, something like that. Uh, some of them are up around 12, 1,300. I think Ford really needs to come in with that beefed up frame and and everything, and say this this truck is ready to uh, 
to haul because you want to be able to take, you know, two guys and their gear is easily 500 pounds right yeah. there. A couple of dirt bikes in the back. Well, not even dirt bike, just water and your cooler right. and your recovery bag and your rooftop tent if you're an overlanding guy. If you're a desert guy where you have your two dirt bikes, it's not as big of a deal because you're going to go to wherever you're riding, you're going to park it. So it's, that's not a huge thing. You're going to roll the bikes out of the back. I'm thinking about overstressing the vehicle, overloaded, like all the taco guys are doing right now on you know long stretches of driving for 100 miles a day off-road. You know what? I, I just saw recently in a TRX group, um, because guys were saying, hey, I want to tow with this thing, and um, they were adding bags, airbags, mm-hmm. and the bags are suspended off the... Um, the bottoms of the frame rails in the back, but they're not touching the uh, the purchase on the bottom. And what they do is they have these cups that are mounted mm-hmm. at the bottom. So the airbags don't actually touch the axle until the whole truck gets weighted down. You could still be hip, you know, going well, through they, whoops they with have a ton a, of travel. They have a progressive... Well, you're talking about payload or trailer towing? Sorry, payload. Well, b- both, both. There's well, progressive it, springs on the TRX. Like I've towed... 5,000 pounds yeah, with but, it. But they squat a lot. I've, see, I've seen them on these I've, groups I've and they're towed, squatting a lot. Well, just because people don't have the trailer set up for one. Yeah, I know. They, they need a weight distribution hitch. But let's for say sure. that you put a bunch of cinder blocks in the back in the bed of the truck. And you bought right? the wrong truck. I understand that. But I'm saying there's, there might be a fix for this. And it wasn't. It's, it's not a fix. It's a Band-Aid. The fix it, would be a heavier rate spring in the back, which is going to kill your off-road performance. Uh, a oh, helper bag is okay, but it's just a Band-Aid for the problem. But 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 this helper bag, it's not just a Band-Aid. It's a solution because it's it's inactive. When you're going through whoops, the bag has no air in it, and it's hanging down, not touching anything. There's a gap of, let's call it three or four inches, where it's just there's no, nothing there. I thought that was novel. Normally, we see an airbag. Whoops, you're, if you're going through the whoops, though, you're using all of your up-travel. Okay, so you're, you, you, so there, right. there's going to be some spring rate that's that's added. Some, yes. And let's if call you it, have let's it call it three inches to the very top. If you're if it's empty, there's still going to be something. You got to be careful not to tear your bag. And if you're full, you're not going to be you know motoring through the whoops like that anyway because you don't want all your stuff to rip out of the bed. No, uh, but again, are you understanding what I'm saying? The, I am. Understanding the bag what is you're hanging, saying. but it's not touching. It anything is touching the if you're going off road. There's no way, even if it's four inches above the spring perch or the yes. or the pad where the bump stop is. You think that you're only going to use four inches of up travel? No, 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 no. I am saying, but if there's no air in the bag, it's going to compress it like it's no big deal. Like, and I, then, I, and then, but is that bag designed to be flattened, smushed like that? Some of them are, yeah. The double donut style are. You can go all the way down on Lockjaw right now on the front end. They're double donuts and they're squished absolutely flat, and they're made to be that way. So I think it's a novel approach. I'd like to talk to the company, and it wasn't DZ. It was another one. It started with a D that makes um, the bottom perch. It was, it, was, it was really novel. I've never seen it before, and it seemed like a great solution. So I'll do some more research, bring it back, because it, it's not just the TRX where this come in handy. Any truck where you need good wheel travel, and then you also need support for heavy loads, it's a great solution. I'll, I'll look it up, and we'll do more on it. But is it a great solution? I think it is. I really do. I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, why has no one thought of that? Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. I did not. The uh, EPA has outed the uh, GMC Hummer EV pickup truck, and uh, there's some uh, numbers that are kind of interesting on it. Uh, as you know, uh, I am pretty uh, pretty jazzed on that thing. I had a chance to drive it a while back. We did a little uh, uh, segment on the, on the podcast. Uh, what do you think that it weighs? Uh, the GMC Hummer comes in at... 8,900 pounds. 9,063 pounds. How much of that do you believe is uh, the weight of the batteries? 
3,000 pounds. 2,923 pounds. Damn, I was close. That's a lot of batteries. Uh, and the gross vehicle weight rating is 10,550 pounds, meaning it's nearly 950 pounds heavier than the original Hummer H1 when it was fully loaded. Wow. If that gives you an idea. The EPA uh, filing says that it has uh, 617 amp hours of capacity at 400 volts. And uh, Motor Trend took a look at it, and they arrived at a total gross battery capacity of 246.8 kilowatts. Um, but you figure 85% of that is realistic, which is uh, just over the 200 kilowatts General Motors had said the Hummer would get. And you know, put that in perspective, what's a, a dual-motor Tesla that you would see? I think it's uh, 180 or 200, something like that. MPGE, so that's the miles per gallon equivalent on electric. Uh, they are I've put references in there to 51 in the city, 43 on the highway. Okay. So uh, 5143. So that's 47 MPGE combined. Those figures uh, don't have a correction factor applied that you'd see on the window sticker. Um, so I don't know what it'll you know what it'll end up being. But the other thing that the uh, EPA filing includes uh, is the raw range figures of 502 miles in the city and 430 on the highway, which is around 470 miles. So it's that's does, great. Doesn't seem like it'll be lacking in terms of uh, range, but. That one might be uh, uncorrected, so realistically, 329 is what uh, Motor Trend came out with. And by the way, this is for the full three-motor, fully loaded Edition 1 version. So um, anyway, Motor Trend says despite uh, the four and a half tons of weight, the Hummer EV is uh, plenty powerful. So the uh, 6.6-liter Duramax in the H1 produced 300 horsepower, and the 6.2-liter V8 of the H2 made... 393, the new Hummer EV is rated, according to the EPA, at 983 horsepower. Wow. Uh, didn't give us an official torque rating. The torque has to be 1,900 pound-feet? Yeah, I mean, GM said 11,500, which is not realistic. <laughs> no, that's that's, that's, that's not how it's going to be. Right. It says uh, the drive ratios uh, should be a 13.26 to one front, 10.49 to one rear, and the specs for just a single motor torque output at 265 and a half LB feet. So if you remember, the Edition 1 has three motors. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the Hummer EV reaches 0 to 60 in uh, three seconds in watts to uh, freedom mode. So Three uh, seconds. With 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, you're impressed with your TRX. Yeah. And that does zero to sixty again in three what? Well, they they say four, four or five, but I've done three, three nine, right? seven or three eight in ours. Okay, which is a freaking fast. Shave dude. an entire second off. That's bonkers. Can you really tell the difference though between yes. a half a second? Yes, you can. Your equilibrium gets wacky. I think uh, it's wacky already. Yeah. Lighting, did you hear? No. I did not. Uh, some spy photos have come out of the 2023 GMC Canyon interior. And if you remember, the Colorado and Canyon are getting a uh, redesign uh, with a uh, more off-road capability. But the this is the first time we've seen the interior. It looks like a scaled-down version of that beautiful new uh, Chevy Silverado interior. Not the EV, the redesigned traditional trucks. Nice, nice, nice. And it looks good. Yeah, GM is really stepping up. I mean, there's only so much beating they could take from Ram. You yep. know, everyone's like, oh, if you want the interior, you got to go to the Ram. Yep, because the GM interiors aren't great. They're okay. Un- until now. The new one is pretty fantastic in the fact that 
that same design philosophy of that really wide and kind of, uh, you know, short height-wise screen mm-hmm. uh, is looks like that same kind of design language where it makes the dash and the center stack feel wide. But it looks really good. So I'm, I'm stoked on, uh, on what I'm seeing so far because yeah. uh, those trucks are great trucks, especially the ZR2. What an awesome little truck. But the interior is awful on yeah. it. It's just, Dude, it's just we, terrible. Dude, we romped on that ZRT that you had. Yeah. We thing, romped on that thing. That thing was awesome. I mean, it just took it and took it. But the interior sucks. The seats suck. The dash is cheap. It wasn't that awful. Like, it wasn't, it didn't compare for to the 60, others. For 60000 or fifty five, whatever that thing was. Okay, yeah. All right. That, Good point. It, it was awful. It wasn't great. <laughs> if I'm spending that kind of money, I yeah. at least want to, why make the part that you interface with every single day be the part you hate? Right. At least if it's ugly on the outside, you don't see it because you're driving it. When it's ugly on the inside, everything you touch things and you're just like, eh. It's like us, ugly on the inside. Well, I'm ugly in both places. And then we have our listeners are probably going, who cares about the interior, roll-up windows, vinyl floor, screw you. No. Bougie guys. They're lying. But that's not the – the majority of people don't want that. No. People – if you go to dealers lots, they're getting fully optioned out trucks because those are the ones that sell the fastest. Well, they're getting those because of the chip shortage. That's the highest profit margin. So they're – all the manufacturers are devote, you know, are uh, devoting their chip production to – the high and fully loaded stuff rather than that's why you can't get like active fuel management or blind spot or some of those things on the lower trim levels because it's not worth to divvy up their shortened chip supply. That was happening before COVID, before the chip shortage. The dealer lots were, I, no, I'm serious. I, I was talking to a couple, well, I talked to two Ford dealers that told me that. I was talking to your, your buddy Mike down at Adventure Off Road. He's like, everyone wants fully optioned out trucks. I'm not saying that that's not the case. What I'm saying is specifically, the, the strategies that Ford, GM, and Ram have all talked about in the last six months is that their build mix is going to be high-profit, high-featured trucks. They're not going to allow you to have all of those little broken-down features that require a chip in like a mid-level. So you're not going to be able to find an XLT on the lot Ford F-150 it. that has— I don't disagree with that today. I'm saying that it started a while. Okay, it doesn't matter. Move on. You just like to argue. <laughs> I don't want to argue. I just think you're wrong. <laughs> Partly. Sometimes. <sighs> Lightning did you hit this year. No! No, no! 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 I did not. The uh, 2022 Nissan Titan online uh, configurator is now live. So you could uh, head over Ooh. to NissanUSA.com and see uh, what are the changes in price and options for the 2022 uh, Nissan Titan. Going there now, NissanUSA.com. So a, uh, a fully loaded 2022 Titan Platinum Reserve 4x4 mm-hmm. tops out around uh, 64000 uh, The Titan XD is still available. Available as the uh, Crew Cab 4x4. And you can get the XD and S, SV, Pro 4X, and Platinum Reserve trim levels. And uh, it'll use the same uh, gas V8. As we know, the uh, the Cummins is no longer available in that truck. Um, but there's a few new features such as uh, floodlight approach on your mirrors. So it shines in a little Titan logo when you approach your truck. Which is That's cool. cool. That's cool. And then you can get a uh, backlit Nissan badge on the grill, which is pretty cool. So uh, if you've been uh, looking for a Titan, head over to NissanUSA.com. Weren't we going to get a, uh, a Frontier? to uh, have for, you know, extended period? Working on it. You've been working on it for like nine months, no, it feels some, like. No, there's some other stuff I'm working on. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. So apparently uh, Ford's high-performance off-road stability system, which is the Haas, if you remember correctly, it's the Bill Steins and the 35s and all that kind of good stuff. 
um, that comes on the white, basically the wild track and anything with a Sasquatch. So that's the, the 2.0 system was a standard add-on apparently for 2022, I guess. Ford is going to be uh, offering, oh, I think they called the Haas on the Raptor, the Haas 4.0. They're going to be offering the Haas 3.0, which addresses uh, some concerns about the durability of the IFS front suspension on the Uh-oh. on the Bronco. So the Haas 2.0 with the Bilsteins are still standard for the wild track, but now you'll be able to get a Haas 3.0 package if you order it, which adds powder-coated steel bumpers, a heavier-duty steering rack and tie rod ends, front bash plates, and importantly, uh, it goes to an internal bypass Fox damper. So I don't know what the difference is between these and the Bronco Raptor. I think that these do not include live valve, where the, uh, the Bronco Raptor shocks do. But it'll be a $2,515 option that's on the Bronco configurator now at FordVehicles.com, but you have to order it that way. It's not going to come standard on anything. So it sounds like if you are planning to modify your new Bronco, you'll want to, and you're not going Bronco Raptor, you're going to want to go with the Haas 3.0 package so that you can get that beefier uh, steering components and the upgraded shocks. Why do so many manufacturers, um, I don't want to say chintz out, but like they just go with these spaghetti thin uh, tie rods that you're, you're like, there's so many aftermarket companies offering tie rod systems for so many different trucks. After at a certain point, you'd expect them just to step up and make them just a little beefier because they just did. Okay, well, touche. <laughs> I mean, I, they, I they think, did. Yeah, I guess they listened. What am I saying? I, I think they look at their engineering analysis and they're chasing pennies on these vehicles and profitability, and so they say all of our engineering analysis says that this is more than adequate for what ninety-five percent of the customers are going to do. And then you have a couple high-profile tie rod breakages or steering rack breakages online. And that 5% just outed you to everybody else will never have that problem. So you go, okay, you if you people over here are going to be posting on Instagram and YouTube your stuff breaking, we're going to give you a little beefed up option, but you're going to pay for it because we're not just going to add it because most people will never need to use that. Gotcha. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that people expect, you know, OEs to always get it right. And I think for 95% of customers, they do. I think it's that 5% of people bitching on the forums that force them to go that extra step. Oh, it's always that way. With with every company, they all have to deal with it. There's a It's the vocal minority. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! I don't believe so. The next generation Mercedes G-Class 4x4 squared has been spied and uh, still on portals, just like the old 4x4 squared. Portals are cool if you can afford them. Uh, the last generation Mercedes-Benz G-Class 4x4 squared was uh, basically a celebration of the off-road G-Class icon near the end of its production run. Uh, it looks like, and I think it was 2017, something like that. And if you remember, it was all solid axles. The new G-Wagon platform is obviously uh, independent front suspension. So with IFS, it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, what happens. Uh, the development truck was spotted road testing by, I guess, a, a, a reader or a spy photographer from Motor Authority, uh, and it shows a bright orange G-Wagon with camouflaged and enlarged fender flares riding much higher than the current G-Class, and the clear space between the wheels under the vehicle suggests that the trick portal axles may make a return, but are they going to be... This new chassis doesn't have... Uh, it wasn't made with live axles in mind, so are they portal axles with... IFS, which hmm. is possible. Trophy trucks are doing it right now for desert racing and stuff. Uh, we need to get uh, Quinn back on from 74 Weld because he has a brand new bolt-on portal axle 
for your JL. Why so soon? It's only been two and a half years. But it's going to go <laughs> for other vehicles as well. He's, he's trying to make a line of them. Think about it because you don't need to have a suspension lift. You get all the ride benefits and the handling, all that. You're lifting from your portal axle so that, you know, you bolt those on. Go go have fun. And I think he had one at KOH. had something like 15 inches of ground clearance. That's crazy. They were driving over like Home Depot paint buckets. Really? Without touching anything <laughs> with his portal axles. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. I think it, I think on his they're listed three inches or three and a half inches or something like that. So anyway, we should uh, we should talk about that because I think uh, for the for the guy who wants to keep as much stock as possible, it might be a really good way of getting a lift out of your vehicle. That's reversible. That uh, definitely uh, although not cheap, a lift is cheaper. Is it th- though? Isn't it? I don't. There's. I mean, I don't know. If he's charging yet. We should we should call him right. because yeah. yeah, there's lifts out there that are seventy thousand dollars. Right. Sure. Sure. So it depends what your use case is, right? Are you? Do you want better gearing out of the deal? Do you want more ground clearance out of the deal? Do you want to keep everything stock so it's reversible at the end of your lease? I don't know. What are the uh, going back to that that G uh, wagon? They always look so high off the ground, like they're just going to topple over. Like, I, I is the center of gravity as high as it looks? Is my question. Have you driven? I've never been in one. Uh, we should call our friend Johnny Lieberman because he loves those things. Mm. Of course he does. And I'm sure he'll tell you all about it. Yeah, he will. Hey, Johnny, if you're listening, come on the show. Talk to us about <laughs> the uh, 4x4 squared. All right, let's get into some inbox. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. I don't want you to say give it to me, give it to me ever Why? again, please. Why? <laughs> it just sounds wrong. You're just so gonna many reasons. I'm just giving you a version two of uh, that Holman mm-hmm. uh, smorgasbord of uh, <laughs> phrases that your kid. Do you think anyone under together. the age of uh, 11 knows what smorgasbord means? Because I said I say it every once in a while, and I think I wonder if they know what I'm saying right now. Smorgasbord. Uh, it's I a buffet. I would say no. It's in a buffet, right? I would say no because there's nobody who's actually 11 <laughs> I see. So that's not a real number, Lightning. Uh, isn't it? It's a, hmm. Okay. Were you going to say isn't he? <laughs> what was going know. on there? I don't know. I had a stroke. <laughs> Again? Yeah. Oh, we were past Why that. are you giving me email that can't be read because it's so bleached out? I, there's, there's no, no toner. There's not a toner. Like, it's crazy. And I like to watch you suffer because it's hard for you to read emails anyway. Oh, I'm a pro. Come Here, on. I'm going to start one of these bleached out ones just so you can see that. It can oh, be you're going to prove to me that it can be done. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Damn Roundabouts by uh, Ryan Reitz. And he says, uh, What's up, Lighting and Holman? Last weekend, my 2015 Ram 1500 got to experience the joys of the accident reducing, in quotes, roundabout in the great state of Pennsylvania. Not. Thanks to the lack of intelligence of other people on how to properly enter a roundabout, my front bumper and grill were so nicely modified by a Hyundai oh, Santa Fe. No. With that being said, once my truck is fixed, I'll be looking to adding a brush guard to my truck to prevent this kind of damage again since I have to use the same roundabout frequently. What are your suggestions on the best brands of brush guards? Also, what is your take on the usefulness of roundabout intersections? I uh, love the show. Keep the five-star killer content coming. Five-star review! Five-stars! And yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy! 
First things first, unless there's a fountain, like uh, a water decoration in the middle of the roundabout, drive right through it. Just, just jump. Start, you mean jump it? Just bisect it. Just no, just drive. Yeah, jump it right over it. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> okay, I don't think that was the answer he's looking for. Oh, I quite like them because if you uh, if it's wet outside or snowy, you can mm-hmm. drift the whole circle if you're good enough. I do like those roundabouts, but boy, do they scare people. They just have no idea what to do and how to merge in and out of them, and their heads are on like a swivel looking around like, God, there's one in Long Beach that's famous for causing accidents. The, uh, one, the traffic circle yes. down by uh, PCH? Yep, that's the one, and boy, just it just mangles people all the time. Um, as for who makes a good grill guard? No one. Don't get one. Those things are ugly. I mean, or just get a bumper. Yeah, don't do you know, it. Although, you know, Ranch Hand makes those massive bumpers. They also make grill guards, too. Their yeah. stuff is usually pretty beefy. Um, Warren, don't, don't do it. Warren used to make the Transformer. I don't know if they do still. Yeah. No. Just, just, get, just, a, just, just get a no? bumper. Better bumper. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that are pretty badass for the yeah. Ram. But if you're not going for that look and you just want to have the grill guard, don't. Oh, I mean, Lightning's saying don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, clear, get, clearly. Get, get, save up and get a nice bumper. One that you can just push hmm. out the next, push the next Santa Fe off the road. <laughs> Nissan Frontier subject line from uh, Canada. So I had the ability to drive the new Nissan recently and I liked it. Very comfortable and the power was so smooth. It was a rental, so the options sucked. But I'm glad they are back. And that's from uh, Kenny Kruger. All right. Thanks for your uh, truck review. Truck review. He only gave us a yeah, little one, so you got half the jingle. Half the jingle. Listen, yeah. if you guys are in weird stuff, if you're renting something, you're in a truck that's like got 48,000 miles and been clapped out in the rental car fleet, and you feel like calling us, 657-205-6105, on the five-star hotline, or emailing us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, we'd love some guest reviews from our listeners. And if you do a, a good one, we'll play you the whole jingle. I got one from our buddy uh, Ray, and uh, he uh, he writes this all the time, but we can't always fit his uh, emails in because they cover every topic. But Ray, we love you. It uh, says, uh, Spotify, five stars. He says, uh, hey, cool. Lightning and Holman, as you know, I've been a listener since episode one, but as a non-Apple person, I could never leave the five-star rating I've always wanted to leave. Thanks to your reminder, at the end of episode 212 that Spotify now has ratings, I took care of that today. Nice. You get five stars for many reasons. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. But most importantly, for never letting up on mounting the key podcast parameters. Mounter parameters! You can see in the attached screenshot that next to the five-star rating, it has the word comedy. I don't know if that's what you expected or not. <laughs> that was accidental. It makes no difference to me, but I thought I'd point it out because it was unexpected to me. I mean, you guys are funny in the good, entertaining way, of course, but I don't think of TSP as a comedy podcast at all. <laughs> I mean, it's we laugh at ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the thing, Ray, is is you can choose a few multiple categories and subcategories. We typically le- uh, live under the leisure category. And then, <laughs> leisure. No, but that's leisure and travel is automotive is shoved under that in the po- in the uh, podcast world. It is what it is, and so you can do a couple other ones. I think we have like general interest and comedy as a subcategory. So I don't know what Spotify pulls from. Anyway. Ray continues, as always, thanks for the great material, the informative guests, and your industry insights, and thanks to your uh, families for allowing you to get away and continue to do the podcast. And that's our buddy Ray. Subject line is Van Bros from Dakota. Hey, Lightning at Home, and been going back listening to old episodes, and I had to laugh about episode 112. Lightning starts talking about his old Duramax van and how much he loved it, and immediately reminded me of my dad. Our entire family has four trucks, and a vast majority of the trucks just so happen to be 6-0 power strokes, myself included. 
So my dad, having a badass 1989 Ford F-350 four-door flatbed, five-speed dually 4x4, apparently felt left out. A customer came into the shop after driving his 6.0 passenger van from California to Bellingham, I'm assuming Washington, and was done with it after getting left stranded several times. So dad bought it for a thousand bucks and absolutely loves it. Has yet to leave him stranded and it's even made trips across the state without any hiccups. My 2003 has been an awesome truck and I'm currently bulletproofing my little sister's 2006 after the oil cooler took everything out. Ouch. That sucks. Love going back and listening to the old episodes. Lots of information, and it's so easy to miss stuff. Thanks much, boys. Dakota. I got one here from uh, Scott Martin. He says, Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pibb. I'll try and keep this uh, brief and with minimal suckage, but won't succeed. On the topic (laughs) of bourbon, I feel the need to butt in on your recent conversation about bourbons. So I agreed with your assessment of the good bourbons Holman mentioned, but some of them are very hard to find and are overpriced when you can, at least in New York. Blands and Eagle Rare are the two that come to mind. Are they easier to find in California? Uh, I would say that it, when there's a will, there's a way. And uh, California has uh, lots of mom-and-pop liquor stores strewn about, and uh, there are a lot of places that have bottles that are dusty that are worth a lot of money. I had a friend uh, find a place that had Boss Hog 3, I believe, and the guy wanted like $400 for the bottle, and that bottle goes for several, several thousand dollars now, and bought all the guy's bottles and then tipped them off as to how cheap they were. Uh, so you can find stuff like that. Also, there's that app Drizzly, um, which is a cool way to find who has what in stock. Sometimes uh, you can find stuff on there. Um, when we say in stock, you're talking about just like it. If, well, it's if like Bevmo if, has a weird shipment of yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, Drizzly has like all these mom and pops and liquor stores on it, and you can type in it, and it'll show you like who and how many miles away you can find that bottle based on their inventory. So that's a kind of a good way without having to shop all the liquor stores if you're looking for something really specific and list the prices and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, And then I've, I've got a, a, a whole weird group of friends that are always – like I'm on this friend group and somebody will be like, hey, Bob, I knew you were looking for this and these guys have it. Want me to pick it up for you and just pay me when I see you? And so there's like everybody's always looking for the bottles that this you know group that – you know, I mean, that's good for you. It's bad for our listeners. Yeah, it's great. Because they're not part of your friend group. On the topic of Bilstein Shocks, I contacted Bilstein Shocks about an application for a custom truck that I'm building, a 57 Dodge Power Wagon with a 12-valve Cummins. The uh, G is silent. Uh, their support for my application was thoroughly underwhelming, maybe enough to make me go to King. The only reason I'm still considering them is because of your persistent recommendations. All right. I mean, go go to King. Uh, if you want to go to King, I, I happen to like Kings too. I also really like Bilstein's. But if your application is for a custom truck, why don't you get one of their custom shocks? Because you can, within the different shock families, you can get different extended and collapsed lengths and then have them revalved. Uh, you can get, you know, pin top or eyelet top and bottom or you know, all sorts of stuff. So I don't know what you're saying about them being thoroughly underwhelming if it's a custom application. So I feel like we need to have a follow up with him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if uh, if you want to go, uh, Bill Stein can make you a custom shock just like King can, although you'll probably wait longer with King. Uh, but King makes a great shock. If you want to go to King, go to King. If you want to go to Fox, go to Fox. Fox makes a great well, shock. I wonder too. how many people don't know that Bill Stein will do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have all sorts of. Because you, you, I mean, look, the average person that sees Bill Stein is a you know a massive company. You go, it doesn't seem like they they would do that type of thing. They do. Yeah. But it, it like to the average guy, maybe it doesn't appear that way where everyone knows that King only does custom. Like King doesn't really stock. Well, he stuff. says he contacted them. So 
I don't know. Send me a note. I could put you in touch with the right person if uh, if you're still underwhelmed. This is uh, Scott Martin. Scott, you're suspect. Yeah. Uh, And then he says, (laughs) on the topic of flat fenders, until I listened to your podcast, the only flat fenders I was familiar with were the World War II Dodgers and civilian power wagons that came out after World War II, which was called that first. Uh, I have never uh, heard those uh, post-World War II Dodgers and civilian power wagons called flat fenders, but I also don't live in that area. Uh, flat fenders, as for the Jeeps, have been called that for about 70 years. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Uh, on the topic of interrupting guests, do less of it. Let them talk. Enough said. Lightning? Are you done? <laughs> uh, no, no. He still has more. He's covering a bunch of topics. Okay. Look, you just... You just I d- Scott, how- did you see what happened there? Or at least Wait a minute. How- Lightning literally went to interrupt your email hey, right hey, there. Hey, Dick Cheese, I couldn't have known that there was more. You I'm not said, looking at it. You said, are you done? And then rolled right into your You paused. Email. I didn't see anything out of, come out of your Scott, mouth. Scott, this is clearly aimed for lightning, and he proved it exactly in that moment. All right. Chick-fil-A. Up until December, I'd never had Chick-fil-A, and you guys never stopped talking about it. So, no, not, you don't get to buzz the guests when they're right, lightning. He'd never had it. That's why I'm buzzing him. Oh, uh, you're not buzzing him on the previous topic? No. And he says, you guys never stopped talking about it, so I felt compelled to drive 20 minutes to try it. My assessment is that it is suitable for human consumption, but I will not go out of my way to get it again. Sorry. Now you may buzz him. Yeah, Scott, you are incredibly suspect. Uh, Saying such ill things about the Lord's chicken is not going to uh, curry you any favor. On the topic of barbecue, simply awesome. I'll give him one bell yeah, ring on that. Right. Just a bit. Okay, right. It says, uh, your show is truly entertaining and informative. Keep up the great content and guests. Mounted parameters. Mounted monitor key engine parameters. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. And yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And that was from Scott Martin. All right, here's a DM from Ryan Thompson. He got us on uh, the Instagram at Truck Show Podcast. Audi reverse hybrid. Hey, guys, been listening to the show for about a year or so now. I have a love-hate relationship with it. Ooh, okay. okay. He, he loves the show and hates the two of us? I, I assume that's the case, but I will read on. I love the show. The content is great, but I hate the fact that we don't get any of the cool trucks you guys have over there because I'm in the U.K. Oh, interesting. Uh, the U.K. is actually our third or fourth most uh, uh, popular destination for downloads, if you uh, can believe that. And so we have a ton of U.K. listeners, but... Uh, more importantly, you need to read the rest of this with a British accent, Lightning. I I can't. I don't. That's one I don't. I don't do any accents. You should try. I know it. I, I can't. Okay. I don't. You I don't. Still I don't try. do them. I want to hear them. Adewai. <laughs> that's Oof, it. Well, that one was word. it. No, that's it. One I word. No. Just start with something easy, like hello, governor. Hello, governor. <laughs> hello, better. governor. That was better. Anyway, I just heard you guys talk about Ram's reverse hybrid plan. Uh, have you guys not seen the Audi e-tron that completed this year's Dakar? They managed four stage wins. Uh, they are EV powered by a small turbo ice engine. Check this out. And he gave us a couple links. And um, I don't know. Were we aware of the Audi e-tron? I don't play in that uh, swimming pool, if you will. That's, okay. uh, that's your area. All right. And so I went back to Ryan because I was now curious where he was in England. And I said, hey, where, where are you at? And he says, uh, so I'm just outside London, he says. For what it's worth, my daily is a Ford Ranger Wild Track. My passion project slash weekend vehicle is a 96 FZJ80 on 37s with Ooh. a 4-inch lift, Wow, 12-inch Fox 2.0s, remote resi shocks. I've had it for about 10 years, eight of which 
where I've lived in London. Likely one of the most inappropriate cars yeah. in town. I was going to say that thing in <laughs> London would be uh, would be obscene. Yes, I, I love the UK. I've uh, the last time I went there, uh, it was sunny and beautiful. That's and it was amazing. Crazy. It That's wasn't drizzly and, and rainy. Although I will say, anybody in the UK listening, learn how to freaking cook your eggs, guys. Yeah, it's gross. Oh, they're so yeah. nasty. Just like cook everything five minutes longer, and you guys would kill it on uh, on English breakfast. So he continues. My current project is a rig to race in the Ultra Four Europe series, which is oh, that's cool. cool. Okay. So anyway, I couldn't I couldn't help myself because I, I just think like how hilarious would it be to have my old dually in London because it's just mammoth. I don't know if you would even be able to get registration there for it. I, I don't know any road. Do the sick. I, I'd love to see that rolling around London. When I drove the Land Cruiser, people looked at me as if I was murdering puppies. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. So anyway, thank you, Ryan, for the uh, the DM. You can always get us uh, at Truck Show Podcast on uh, Facebook, Instagram. It's all the same. All right. Well, that's enough for this show. I think we're about to uh, crack eight hours. <laughs> it's almost tomorrow again. At Truck Show Podcast on the, uh, the Instagram if you want. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. 657-205-6105. We want to hear from you on the five-star hotline. And uh, as my man Lightning said at Truck Show Podcast, on the gram, you don't sound very excited. Like, you just ran out of energy. What happened? Right there? Uh, last so one in the morning. 30 seconds. You just died. I just realized I uh, have something to do today. You have something to do, like, today, like when the sun comes up? Yeah. And I, I should sleep before then. I, I don't disagree. Dude, are you are you in a I panic bet, now? I bet if I slept, I would have more energy. That's gonna that's my that's my thesis. Uh huh. My theory. Don't know if it's true. Are you gonna try to prove it out after this show? I don't know if I have enough hours <laughs> left before I have to be up for the things I must do tomorrow. You know what we do, guys, when we're done giving. We go to sleep. No, nope. oh, wait, no, we nope. get some more. We give some more. We that's some what more. we do. That's Great. what we do. So, uh, Truck Show Podcast. I'm Lightning. He's Holman. We got to thank uh, Nissan because without them. We'd be sleeping. That's true. I mean, <laughs> they, really? they bankroll us staying awake. Uh, I guess so. All so, right. It's kind of weird. If you're in the market for a new uh, midsize or half-ton truck, head over to NissanUSA.com where you can now build and price your 2022 Nissan Titan. And, of Ooh. course, the Titan and Titan XD come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And while you've got that web browser window open, type in bankspower.com and check out the new iDash. 52-millimeter gauge that will show you all the stuff that your dashboard won't. There's certain things that your truck is hiding from you, and this exposes all of it. And if you go to the Data Monster, which is the upgraded version that has data logging, you can data log and view up to 100 parameters, or parameters as we like to call it. Easy setup, records a micro SD card, one button start stop, no limit to how long you can record. A 16-gigabyte card does what, Lightning? How long Uh, will it record for? uh, You could record... 100 parameters at 20 samples per second, 24 hours a day for a month. That seems excessive. <laughs> and what, what are those, like $10 now on Amazon or something? I think they're I mean, like $6.50. <laughs> and so here's the thing. You can play the, the, the data right back on the gauge, or you slide the SD card out, yep. put it in your uh, computer. You can pull it up on datalogviewer.com, which is free, or just map it out on Microsoft Excel, whatever's easiest for you. It works great for when you roll into the mechanic shop and he cannot reproduce that issue. You just show him what happened right on the gauge. You're like, see, that's where I lost boost. Right there. Look. Right there on my iDash. Pinkspire.com. That one. iDash. Yeah.
And we're excited about the next episode because we've got our good friend, Mr. Corey Willis of PPEI. Ooh. And if you've been following the tuning world, there's a... A lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. And he's, uh, I wouldn't say at the set... No, he is. It's fair to say he's at the center of it. He might be the epicenter of it. (laughs) That's possible, yes. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Episode 216. Remember, at the beginning of the show, I asked you to keep the suckage in check. I mean, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, you shattered your all-time record for suckage. How dare you? Do not interrupt me. You win (laughs) the gold medal for suckage. Hmm. You define suckage. You suck. Ah. Wait. Ouch. Just lightning suck, or do we suck? I think both of us. No. Collectively. Mm, Give her a buzz. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Uh, uh, uh.